Hello and thank you for listening to episode 513 of 60MW and the entertainment show for June, July 2023. I'm Dave and sat in front of me in his shorts, legs akimbo. It's Chris. <laughs> Hello, how are you? I'm all right, mate. That's right, isn't it? Legs akimbo, isn't it? It, it, it is, yeah. I always think about League of Gentlemen when if you, people mention Legs Akimbo because that was the... Did you watch like League of Gentlemen? No. Well, I did, oh. but I, I never got into it. Uh, okay, yeah. It is, it's a very Marmite. I think I loved it. Kay hated it. But, you know, she hates most things I like. like you <laughs> yeah. know, that seems to be, uh, uh, you know, the story of our relationship. But anyway, um, yeah, well, there was a... as as Well, if you've watched any of it, it's quite, quite a dark show. Well, there was a... a um, how can I put them? Um, an amateur sort of dramatics group that did stuff in schools about, you know, drugs are bad and whatever, and all mm. sorts of different things like that. But there's one in unhinged character. Well, anyway, the name of their group was Legs Akimbo. So uh, <laughs> I, that's what I, I always think about that. Um, but yes, I am wag currently for listeners because they can't see this, obviously. But to describe it for you, I'm sitting in my reclining chair and um, because I've got the camera on. But it because of the distance where it is to the chair, Dave's kind of I'm wagging my toes at him. Yeah. So uh, what a sight for you. What a treat. Anybody with a foot fetish, you're missing out. You really are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they'd be just tracking, tugging like mad, mate. Just, oh, well, look at his toes. <laughs> I have got shorts on as well. I mean, you can't really. Oh, yeah. Oh, you can kind of see, but they are like grey. So, you know, I, and and because of the way again the the camera's positioned, I suppose you wouldn't necessarily know as such. Because uh, you know, I'm sort of. I'm, have I got shorts on? Uh, you well, know, is it just, yeah. Is it just my boxers? Oh, you know, is, is there anything there? <laughs> uh, no, there is. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, how the hell are you? Looking forward to tonight, mate. Can't believe it's been two months since we recorded. It goes so uh, quick. They soon roll around, don't they? And uh, to be fair, this is I'm trying to think. This I've done one podcast since we last recorded, and that was um, we did a spotlight reflection movie show last week on the King of the Kickboxers um, with Adam. Uh, Adam's had a bit of a break, so I haven't recorded any other shows since it. I've been faithful to you, Dave, is what I'm, <laughs> I think I'm trying to say. Because uh, I, I, I think I've in the past I've been known as a podcast whore um, because I appeared on so many shows. But to be fair, uh, I, like I said, I, I, I know you've been doing different shows and different format shows, but which I'm sure we'll get into. But yeah, I, I've had, it, for me anyway, I think there was a time, maybe a couple of years ago, j- during the height of the, the, the thing that we don't mention, um, I think I was recording a podcast every week or every other week, but yeah, it's, it's felt a bit weird having a bit of a break, but I've, I've enjoyed it, you know, feel refreshed. You don't get burnt out doing podcasts, do you? So recording a podcast a week, mate, that's like, that's like the old days when we started (laughs) all those years ago. There was in some weeks I was recording two podcasts a week. Um, we're doing that. That's you know again because I suppose you've got a bit more time because you hadn't, you weren't doing as much. You weren't going out and about. So, um, but now it's it's quality rather than quantity. Even though <laughs> we're we're over five hundred shows in, aren't we? So I mean, come on. Yeah, you get both. You get quality and quantity. Yeah, huge back catalogue of of shows and <laughs> all that sort of stuff. So you're, no, ready, um, you're ready to record. I am. I, I'm. Uh, I'm up for it. I've actually, you know, sometimes um, 
particularly for these shows, you sort of like you look at your letterboxed, um, yeah, and you think, oh god, I, oh, can I talk about? It? I haven't really watched anything, or I've rewatched stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's like not there's nothing new to talk about as such, you know. Um, but I look actually looking at it. That's the other thing. I've I've got quite a lot of things at films, particularly I've been to the cinema a few times. So there's quite a mm-hmm. few like you know, we're in blockbuster season, aren't we? Um, yeah. So and it does feel. Uh, I, it, it didn't seem to have f- felt it the last few years. I don't know why, but you know, you know, you had those blockbuster seasons where it just felt like every week there was a new big film coming out. Yeah. It actually felt a little bit like that this summer. Um, so much so that you know, again, you can argue that the, the quality of them isn't hasn't been great. But uh, we'll talk about some of those, I'm sure. But yeah, it's. Um, so I've been to the cinema a few times and I've got actually I've got TV shows, I've got an audio book. Oh my god. I've got a, I've got a podcast. Holy shit. Uh, yeah, I've got quite a lot of, of good stuff, hopefully. So go on then. Let's start then. Because this is it's not often we talk about these, but if you've got a podcast, give us that first then, mate. Okay doke. So I don't quite know how I stumbled upon this i think it was i was looking at youtube and then obviously you know it does its algorithms and all that kind of stuff and then it sends you recommendations and stuff like that so anyway there were some clips and i think it was um it was either uh an interview with michael bean or Robert Patrick. Now, obviously, I'm interested in those two people for obvious reasons. I'm mm-hmm. sure that people will understand, you know, if they listen to this show, you you know, you're a film fan or you're a fan of TV, all that sort of stuff. Well, anyway, so I started watching them. And it, the guy who's doing the interviews is a chap called Michael Rosenbaum, who I'd never heard of until I started to look into him. I don't know if you know of him. I do. Yeah. I've watched ah. him a few times on YouTube. Ah. So you've probably aware of this. Well, yeah. anyway, so when I started to look into who he is, he's an actor, um, and he played Lex Luthor in the TV show Smallville, which is probably why I didn't recognise him as well, because obviously in that, I, I never watched Smallville, but I, you know, I've seen clips of it and seen sh- uh, screenshots and stuff. He's <laughs> obviously bald as Lex Luthor. Um, <laughs> whereas in this, he, he hasn't. He's got glasses, he's got hair, you know, and it just doesn't look that. So I thought... it. You know, the clips I saw were really interesting, really engaging. And so then I started to look into it. I think I've downloaded about 50 episodes. Now, obviously, I haven't listened to all of those just yet. But he's got an awesome back catalogue of um, Mm -hmm. shows and people. And what I think about these shows, the ones I've listened to so far, they're sort of like they're they're not like they're uh, like actors that we're interested in. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That Yeah, there's there's big actors on there. I mean, he, one of the interviews he had recently, actors and directors, I should say, uh, he had James Gunn on. So I listened to that. That was really interesting. Um, you know, uh, and so talking about the, the DC universe, because he's now the head of DC and, and all of those different things and the direction that DC is going to take and Guardians 3 had just come out. So, was, you know, that was cool. But like people like Frank Grillo, um, yeah. As I mentioned, uh, you've got uh, Michael Bean, um, uh, Robert Patrick. I've, I've listened to one with J.K. Simmons. And then, you know, it's just kind of like going through because uh, he's been doing this for a few years now. So I was going through like the list that, you know, all the people that he's done. Now, I haven't d- downloaded all of them because some of them I'm not 
that interested in. But it's it's the people that, you know, like Chris Sarandon uh, talking about Fright Night and things like that. And then, you know, there's there's loads of people on it. Um, uh, Kim Coates, who people will know from various films, Sons of Anarchy, uh, as, you know, all those kinds of things. Um so I'm just going through them now. Nathan Fillion, William Fitchner, uh, you know, the, these kind of people that, you know, character actors, you know, people you've mm. seen in loads of films, but I've got so many good stories. I mean, the, the, the ones with Robert Patrick and Michael Bean were really interesting. Because not only yeah. They talk about Terminator, but they talked about, you know, their own personal lives, be, you know, uh, dealing with alcoholism and, um, you know, dealing with fame, obviously, for Robert Patrick after he did Terminator 2. And then um, for Michael Bean, uh, working on the set of, um, of uh, Tombstone, which was, you know, <laughs> really interesting. So, yeah, there's there's loads of good things on there let's say uh, I've, I've downloaded a load of them um so it's just working my way through sort of you know the, the back catalog and and whatever um but yeah it's it's cool um just again like some of the nick frost's been on one of the episodes um uh, uh joe i don't know how you say so the guy from brooklyn 99 joe low joe latrue 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 <laughs> fuck it up latrue latruglio fuck me i don't know whatever his name is um yeah and then it's, so, James um, at Masters as well from Buffy and and Angel and so so however it worked it out I must have watched something whether it was a clip about Terminator or something whatever yeah. that then matched it up with that so that's thank you to YouTube for doing that uh, and uh, but it's cool if if you like um, the, the only downside about the podcast are the adverts the, the adverts are you know a frequent. Yeah, I'm honest with you. Um, and it's difficult when you're listening in the car to obviously skip through. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, if if you're going for a walk or if you, you know, um, you know, going for a run or something, I suppose it's a bit easier. But yeah, overall though, very good. Um, there are a lot of the, a lot of the people that he interviews as well. They, he seems to be friends with, or he's worked with, or he's done. So it, it kind of flows. You know, the, the, all of them I've listened to mm -hmm. so far. There's never been any awkward you know, and, and they're funny as well, you know, so. And what but, is yeah. the, what is the name of the podcast for everybody? Um, Inside of You, which sounds a bit dirty, doesn't it? <laughs> that so. could be a totally different podcast, mate. <laughs> yes. Uh, Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. So uh, he has got a website um, and also got, obviously, YouTube shorts. And the thing, what I've noticed, though, is that because um, the, the YouTube clips – because uh, I was watching those, but when I started to listen to the podcast, um, because they're only relatively short clips, mm -hmm. so, but because the episode say it's like an hour, um, you'll probably have a, I don't know, about 15 minutes of adverts. So the shorts, actually, if you watch them on YouTube, you're not missing a great deal from the podcast. Yeah. You're like it, it yeah. tends to take the best bits. Um, so yeah. Have you heard about it then? It was, yeah, it was YouTube's algorithm again, I guess with watching loads of movie stuff and, being interested in interviews and that, it just popped up. And the first one I watched, I think Michael Bean was the first one that I watched. And then, of course, I watched, again, the Robert Patrick one. I watched that and enjoyed it. And, yeah, I've watched quite a few of them. Like you said, he's, you know, he's obviously friends with a lot of them and that helps the conversation flow and they just sort of sat there having a chat. And they're the kind of interviews that I enjoy where it, he doesn't sit there, you know, with a list of questions and goes, right, ask a question, next, next, next. They just have a conversation and it can just go off in 
tangents mm-hmm. and it's yeah all very relaxed and enjoyable uh insightful like you said you find out uh, quite a few things that you wouldn't normally know about because they know each other and they're relaxed with each other and they're just shooting the shit basically yeah. so it's good it was good you did of course i should mention just in case anybody listening to this didn't listen to episode 512 where i chat with filter founder vocalist songwriter Richard Patrick, who is Robert Patrick's older brother, sorry, younger brother. So just in case you missed that, go and have a listen. Because we do yeah. we do mention briefly his brother. I had to bring ah. him up once. I just had to bring him up once. <laughs> the context of which you're going to have to listen to it and find out. And he was really good as well. Cool. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. So there you go. I've been enjoying that. So um, that's it. But pass it back to you. Uh, well, I'll go on, considering you've got an audio book, you said, haven't you? Yes. Yeah, well, I've got one as well, believe it or not. Ooh. Yeah, no, after, what was it, the last episode I recommended uh, Bez's audio book. I've got one. This is going to be a tricky one to talk about, mate, because, <laughs> because the two things that we don't mention on the show, uh, one of them is politics. Uh, mm-hmm. This is called, and you'll see why it's going to be difficult to talk about, <laughs> it's called... The Decade in Tory, an inventory of idiocy from the coalition to COVID. Uh, okay. <laughs> it is. It's also available on Kindle and hardback, but I've been listening to it on audio, which I do recommend because, oh my God. Right. How shall I begin? The author, Russell Jones, it's his first book, believe it or not. I was like, oh, surely this, he must have written quite a few, but it's not. It's his first book. Uh, it's read by a guy called Chris Devon, who apparently has uh, narrated a few audio books. And he's really good in it. Uh, uh, there's the odd time there's a bit of mispronunciation, which, you know, who am I to talk? Fuck me. Um, and it's, it is what it says on the tin. It's a decade of the Tories being in power here and it, I think they've been in power 13 years now but this covers 13 years I think it's 2010 to 2020 I have never listened to anything or read anything that in equal parts has made me fucking laugh like a fucking drain Re- laugh out loud literally laugh out loud and then within seconds <laughs> want to scream in fucking anger and go what the fuck what the fuck and then be laughing again you know like a minute down the line uh he he comes out with it's very factual he comes out with facts this is not an opinion piece he comes out with facts and apparently in the print version all of the facts all of the things that he says he he lists he references the source of them you know, so you can go, okay, is that bullshit? No, you can go and look it up. So it is all facts. Oh, my God. I don't care what your political leaning is. You can, you know, vote Tory or Labour or Lib Dems or the Green Party or anybody. You need to listen to this. You need to let this, you know, there's going to be an election next year. Doubt there's going to be one at the end of this year, but there's definitely going to be one next year. You have to listen to it because what, what we're fed through the media is what the media want to tell us. And it's all, you know, a lot of it's filtered and what the governments, all all sides of the government tell you is what they want you to hear. They're, this is facts that will shock you. 
oh my God, there's staff in there that I didn't know about, got no idea. And these are the bits that were making me go, fucking hell. <laughs> but it is so funny. It is so funny. I can guarantee that if you listen to this, you'll be laughing a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. I mean, I've been listening to uh, finishing off John Cleese's um, book all about his life and everything. Of course, I've been laughing at that. I've been laughing at this more. <laughs> can, mm. can you believe it? You think, oh, it's, oh, it's a political book. I'm not going to read all of that or listen to it. It's well worth it, mate. It is well, well worth it. And I think people should educate themselves. I mean, if one came out about any other government party, if it was like this, I'd listen to it because I'd want to be informed and entertained in equal measure like this is doing. So, yeah, very, very highly recommended. Mm. Mm. I've added that to my uh, wish list, so I shall check that out, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, uh, well, mine is is, um, is very different, but uh, as entertaining still, nonetheless. But it obviously focuses around video games. So um, there's a book it's called long live mortal Kombat round one the fatalities the fandom and the arcade era and it's by david l craddock and so i discovered this i think i was um reading an issue of retro gamer magazine and it mentioned it so i'm always looking for stuff like that so i think the last one i listened mm. to was about resident evil series and uh it's about it's just i think it's just shy of 22 hours and um it's quite a long book obviously you know thinking well it's about bloody mortal combat how long can it be but um <laughs> it, it is it's obviously it's not just about the game it, it, it does focus quite heavily on on that so it focuses on mortal combat one two three four and then some of the little spin-offs that they did um but it's sort of that but it's also a real interesting slice of history around that time and how uh, lots of things came off the back of this small little game that that um john tobias and ed boom were making which they weren't really expected to do much with and how it became, you know, this global phenomenon um, spawned loads of sequels, loads of spin-offs, loads of um, pretenders to the throne. You know, these kind of other video games that took the the the, the format of Mortal Kombat um, and then did their own thing. Uh, and it, it's it's really cool. It's really interesting. Um, and it's not it's so it, it does focus around the making of the games, but also you know a lot of stuff in there about how it's. A, uh, affected the fans how fans went on to become pro players um and and you know all of the intricacies about the game uh the conversions to the home format so that the mega drive or genesis if you're in america the super nintendo and all of those other things and then breaking them down by game by game and it's um it's very cool i've really enjoyed listening to it like i said it's 20 odd hours 21 and a bit hours long i think so it's uh it's been i've had it for a for about a month or so but it's one of those books when i go out for a run or a walk or something mm -hmm. uh, i always put it on because you know even if it's like 30 minutes or an hour or something because you, you kind of just it's a bit like what's the what's the uh the equivalent because obviously it's not a real book what's the the audio book version of a, a page turner it's it's that kind of yeah, thing you know yeah. where you, you, you feel compelled to listen to it so um it's really good. It's very good. Um, very much enjoyed it. So I'd recommend that. If you've got Audible, then if you've got a credit, and if you enjoy video games, um, it like I said, it does focus heavily on Mortal Kombat, but it does give you 
an insight into other video games that are around at the time, but also the effect it had um, on the industry. And also, if you you remember at the time, it was more in America than it was here. But it kind of has parallels to the video game nasties. Uh, uh, sorry, not video game. The um, uh, video nasties, uh, uh, you know, which people remember from the eighties. In as much so, this Immortal Combat and other games like Night Trap were put before the um, the Senate. You know, there were Senate hearings in America, and politicians were saying, "Oh, you know, down with this filth and all that kind of stuff." <laughs> and it's disgusting. You know, it's violence. It's going to have an effect on on children, etc., and all that sort of thing. So. It, you know, it it did create a lot of waves at the time. There's a new Mortal Kombat game coming out soon. Um, yeah. Mortal Kombat One, I think it's called. Yeah. I have. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I kind of dropped off Mortal Kombat after the second one. I played the third one, but I think I lost interest in the series. And I've, I've the the thing with it now is they got gradually more and more complicated and yeah, yeah. more special moves uh other things going on like combos and i just don't have the patience or the the memory to remember any of that kind of stuff anymore it, you know it's just I, i'm happy to have a couple of special moves that i can remember and then that's it i'm done <laughs> i can't <laughs> you know it's anything more than that is so but you know it's and the fatalities now have just become unreal oh, i think God, i read yeah. somewhere that um I think some of the developers of some of the more recent games uh, got PTSD from how graphic they were. Oh my god! Um, but so, and then you look at what they were back then. You know, somebody ripping somebody's heart out or pulling somebody's spinal column, uh, you know, from their shoulders and, and whatever. Um, and it all looks very tame and quaint. But back then, <laughs> people were losing their shit about it. So, yeah, I picked yeah. up. I picked up Mortal Kombat Eleven in the sales oh last year maybe sometime and that was only because you could play as rambo and yeah. that was that was the only reason because i'm shit at fighting games and like you i just you know don't have the time or the patience to learn all the combo moves and this that and the other so whenever i do go on it which is inevitably if there's somebody else to play it with you know just some couch fighting each other um uh, you know just for take the piss out of each other while you're sat and having a few beers or whatever yeah it's just like pressing random buttons and shouting because Rambo's hitting people and killing people and blowing them up. So that's, that's about all I can do with it. And that's fine with me, you know, but apart from that, no, it's just too, too complicated. Yes. But it, uh, you know, and it say it goes into detail about the people who have mastered these games and, mm. um, but it's, it's better the arcade, arcade era, you know, which, um, it all but disappeared in sort of the late nineties with the dawn of the PlayStation and those, um, those consoles. So, but it's, so it's a, it's a nice little love letter to all of that sort of that stuff and that era, which I, you know, enjoyed and grew up with. So yeah. Yeah. Good. Sounds good, mate. There you go. Yeah. Um, of course I've got some documentaries. Shall we dip into them? Let's dip. Here we go. Let's start with one, uh, a recent one. I think it's on, I think it's Netflix. It's one of the big streaming ones. Anyway, The Deepest Breath, uh, which is about free diving, which if you've never heard of it, I think I put something along the lines of in my letterboxed review that it's immediately gone into the top five list of things that if I'm ever offered, do I want to do it? My immediate reaction would be, fuck that, because there's no way I would ever want to go free diving 
it's like it's like um what's the the cave version of that where you know um where you go into caves with like a tank and and you know um and it's really claustrophobic yeah and you, well, you know like, you've got yeah it's like climbing but without a rope and that's that's free climbing yeah. isn't it i think yeah yeah it's mad it's quite it's fucking crazy so it's like it, you know with free climbing you're climbing without a rope you get a few hundred feet up and you slip you, fucked you fall it's the same with free diving you just go and you've got you just hold your breath and you go underwater and you can see how deep you can go Oh my god, it's one of those, and it's got good sound on it. We put the surround sound on, and it is oh, when they're underwater, mate. I defy you to keep breathing while you're watching it. You just you sort of take a deep breath with them as they're going underwater, like this, and he's going, go on, go on, go on, and they have, and he says, sort of inverted commas, safety divers who are positioned at. I think it's like about between 40 and 30 metres down is the deepest one and then a few others, you know, like 20 metres, 10 metres. But they can't have oxygen with them because apparently if you've got oxygen, it's all to do with the speed then that you can surface. And because you're trying to save these people who have just held the breath, you need to get them to the surface as quickly as possible. Hmm. So the safety divers can't even like bung an oxygen mask on you or anything. So it focuses on two people, uh, this Italian woman called uh, Alessia Zacchini, and it starts with her as a kid. And she's, she's like a child prodigy at this. She's fucking amazing. She can hold her breath for ages and she can swim. And she starts off just in a regular swimming pool, doing lengths back and two underwater. And it's how far she can swim, you know, without surfacing. And she quickly becomes like one of the best in the world. But then they, they change the rules because of all the, the official competitions. She's, she's too good for them. So they go, right, you've got to be 18 now. And I think this is when she's 14. So she thinks, well, fuck you then. I'm going to keep training for four years and just get better and better and better. And then she hits 18 and she comes into these competitions and she just like, I was going to do a bit of a pun here. I was, I was going to say blows everyone out of the water. Uh, <laughs> but she but she does you know she's just easily the best in the world and then she gets into this you know free diving where you go out into the sea and you just dive down and down and down and you're attached to this rope that goes down and then however deep they put this thing with all the it's like little card things where you have to pull it off and get to the surface with it and that's your proof that you got to that depth oh so she does She does this, and she starts doing that. And then this starts to be intercut with an Irish guy called Stephen Keenan. And he's, he's, you know, you see him as a lad, and he doesn't know what to do with his life. So he, like, he goes, it's very adventurous. He goes off to, like, the Congo and the Amazon, and he does this, that, and the other, you know. Which I'm sure, you know, you did when you, you know, when you were young and didn't know what to do with your life, mate. And oh, she yeah. went off there and... <laughs> <laughs> Playing Street Fighter 2, going yeah. back to video games. I'm a Super Nintendo in my bedroom. Thank you, Kickoff 2. That's it. Going down to Woolies and nicking a Mars bar. That's what we did when we didn't know what to do with our lives. But he's, so he's, he's trying to do that. He eventually finds free diving himself. So inevitably their paths cross. And... Shit happens. I'm not going to say what. It's your typical Netflix, I'm pretty sure it's Netflix, documentary. But this yeah. twist, twists and turns, you know. 
but some of the things that happen in this, I mean, they, they say that when you're doing this free diving, I mean, the first target she sets for herself is to go 100 metres. 100 metres! <laughs> Down, holding your breath. So apparently the first, I think it's 30 metres... You swim, 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 swim. You get to 30 metres down. Then the pressure of the water forces you down. You don't have to do anything else. The pressure of the water forces you down. The pressure of the water also compresses your lungs. And th this is what they say on, on the narration of it. it um, compresses your lungs until they're the size of your fist. Right. Right? <laughs> you still got to hold your breath. So you get to like 100 metres down, you pull this like ticket thing out to prove you've got that deep. Then you've got to swim up against the pressure of all this water while you've been holding your breath for fucking ages and try and get to the top. Oh, there's some horrific scenes. Of course, people black out. They get however close to the surface. And they just run out of oxygen and they black out. There's some scenes in it, mate, which are scary as fuck when the safety divers grab people and bring them to the surface quick. The look on the faces of the people have blacked out. It's scarier than any horror film I've ever seen. <laughs> it right. really is just, oh, creepy, mate. Really, you want to look away. You really want to look away. But the story itself is really good. I will say, without giving anything away, Alessia, who's the, the Italian woman, and she's sort of the main one that you follow through it, the only criticism I've got of it is she's she's annoying and selfish and uncaring of other people because of her sheer one-mindedness, just a self-direction to be the best in the world has made her not give a fuck about anybody else, mm. not give a fuck about anybody else's safety. And some of the things that she does and goes through herself you're thinking, oh, don't know if I really sort of take into you as a person on the screen. You know, you want to feel empathy for everybody, you know, the, yeah. the main characters in, be it a documentary or, you know, piece of fiction. You want to sort of just empathise with them and connect with them. And the more that this went on, the more I was thinking, no, nah, I don't really like you, <laughs> which is the only sort of criticism of it. But, you know, fair play to Stephen. You know, he's he's really likeable, so you sort of connect with him more. But it is well mm. worth watching. Watch it in surround if you can. Um Yeah, you will hold your breath and you will be <laughs> you will be scared. How long can they hold their breath for? And how do they tra train for that? Because I think I've left hold my held my breath for like a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably probably a bit more. But you know, it's like yeah. I think at one point they say, Oh, she's been underwater for three and a half minutes now. Uh, yeah, well, this is a bit longer than usual. But it's not just a case of holding your breath and being underwater. You know, you're, you're really exerting yourself during that three and a half minutes, that first 30 metres to get underwater and then all the way back up again. You're really exerting yourself and just running out of oxygen really quick. Mm. So, yeah. But it was, I found myself, and the same with any films where they go underwater, I just sort of take a deep breath with them. You and did, then yeah. Yeah, and it had that effect. So that that was really good. Oh, um, that sounds cool. It is. It is worth watching. Another one worth watching. And again, I think this is against Netflix or Amazon. It's one of the two. Uh, Fire of Love from 2022. Uh, and it's about a French couple, Maurice and Katia Kraft, who are volcanologists. 
which of course means they're big fans of Spock from Star Trek. Um, no, it doesn't. It means they like volcanoes. I, I, was, <laughs> I, I totally went with that for a second. Did you I, go thought with was, it? I, <laughs> I thought this was going to be a, a Star Trek documentary. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, they are volcanologists. Uh, no spoilers, because this is how the documentary begins. Uh, it says it's something along the lines of, I think it's like, say, June the 4th, 1991. Uh, and this is Maurice and Katya's final day. You know they're going to die right from the beginning. Oh, wow. So Shit. it's a case of, okay, so how are they going to die? And what's going to happen in between? Um, there are a couple. I mean, it starts with Maurice, and he is obsessed with volcanoes. And you see him through his travels. He, meet, he eventually meets Katia. They form a bond. They fall in love over their love of volcanoes. And they travel the world together. Um, <laughs> Maurice, mate, here you go. One of his greatest wishes, and he never got to do it, unfortunately, was to ride a canoe down a river of lava. What? <laughs> Seriously. Now, obviously, I don't mean like a plastic canoe, because like, that would be, like, imagine jumping into a plastic canoe and then, yay, let's go on this bed of lava. That wouldn't last long. Uh, he'd worked out how to make this canoe of whatever material. Yeah, and he just wanted to ride down a, you know, river of lava on it. He didn't do that. But he did, the mad bastard, him and a colleague <laughs> got into an inflatable dinghy and they went they went out onto the the largest natural lake of sulfuric acid. Jesus Christ. You see them? <laughs> they go out on this lake. So it's Where's more, that? Where's that? It's up in this sort of volcano area somewhere where all this sulfuric acid has come out. And it's pretty big, mate. It is pretty big. So Maurice and this colleague, I forget who it is, they're out on this inflatable dinghy and they've got this metal equipment. They're dipping it into the sulfuric acid to measure it. Of course, it just melts the metal, doesn't it? It just eats into it. So if the dinghy tipped up or whatever, they'd just be frazzled. So then the wind kicks in. And they can't get back to shore. So Katya is, is at the shore going, come back, come back. And they can't get back. They're stuck in this lake of sulfuric acid for three hours. Yes. <gasps> Imagine how fucking scary that would be. It would be ridiculous, mate. There's, there's no way it would even go out into there. So they start off in this couple. They begin, they've got a love for red volcanoes, which are those that spew red lava. Then their main focus goes on to grey volcanoes. I remember a few years ago, one erupted uh, and all air travel around Europe was stopped, wasn't it, for like about a month or something stupid. And they're the grey volcanoes where they just kick up a load of shit into the air and, you know, quite explosive. Um, they get obsessed with them and they're following them everywhere. And, of course, that's how they die. Again, it's not a spoiler, you know, from the beginning. Some of the footage between the start and the finish is is breathtaking. They get so close to volcanoes. When they go to these red volcanoes and they're just spewing lava mm. and they're just stood there. I mean, I know the camera angle makes it look like they're stood closer than they are. They're still stood pretty fucking close. <laughs> you know, way closer than anybody else would do. And it looks beautiful, but also shit 
pantingly scary <laughs> at the same time. You wouldn't want to be close There's to There's no way you do. But they love it. They absolutely love it. But of course... They the, shag. The, they camp, right? They camp next to this volcano that's going off. And you would like to think they had a shag while it was going off next to them. The earth was oh, literally yeah. moving around yeah. them. And they go, oh my God, yeah. Can you feel the heat? It would be so, it'd be so good. Again, the only downside to this is whoever did the narration for it. It's a very monotone narration and just very dry. Because it is a love story, in essence. It is a love story. The love of each other and the love of volcanoes. And it was... Now, I don't expect... You want to say it's monotone and very dry. I wouldn't want want a narration where they were going, watch out, the fucking volcano's erupting. Run, (laughs) run. You, You know, you don't want it like that. But it is just very drab and slow and you just wanted a little bit more life in the narration for it just to pep it up a little bit mm. um but it is very very good very good mm. how do you mm. discover these documentaries do you like look for them or do you just see what's on there or yeah. is this on netflix as well yeah this i'm sure this was netflix or amazon i'm sure both of those um and again i actually yeah i forget and i'm sorry uh, if you're listening to this episode i know somebody tweeted us after the last the last episode and was asking about the Sergio Leone um, documentary, and they couldn't find it. Uh, and I meant to, I meant to reply. I do apologise. Uh, if there's anything that you can't find on either YouTube, Netflix, Amazon, or Disney, that means it's available to find. Shall we say? <laughs> so if it's on none of those, it yeah, was a, it pirate. was it was acquired somewhere else. But all of Arr. all of these are available, you know, quite legally. Um, I have got one more documentary. I'll tell you about one more. Uh, and it's called Juvenile Liaison 2 from 1990. And it's um, it's a Nick Broomfield documentary. Hopefully. Like some kind of soft porn prison <laughs> drama or something. Yes. <laughs> it's, uh, Nick Broomfield is a great documentarian. Uh, if you've not watched any of his documentaries, seek them out. There's a good uh, box set out there that you can buy as well. It's a sequel to his 1975 original, surprisingly called Juvenile Liaison. Uh, And it was banned for 15 years, this first one. And it's about Lancashire's Police Force Liaison Division and their handling of of young petty offenders. Kids that are plain truant from school, uh, going to Woolies and nicking stuff, hanging around the town, you know, being naughty, nicking things. And they visit... uh, Visit the kids in schools and in their homes. Fuck, you know. You can tell it's the mid-1970s, mate. There's there's two main uh, liaisons. <laughs> no, most... Well, it shows a lot of number one. The majority of it is from number one, so it's in black and white, that bit. So okay. there's loads of clips from it. And then what they do is after you've seen a lot of the clips from number one and you see a certain character, a certain kid, then it'll jump forward 15 years and it'll show the kid now, you know, what's happened to this kid? You know, is he still a bit of a juvenile delinquent? Well, older delinquent, I should say. Or is he, you know, has he reformed what's happened? So it follows two two of these main um, liaison officers, a male one and a female one. <laughs> oh, my God. It is a couple of little examples, mate. Uh, so I think this is how it begins, actually. So you've got the the guy liaison officer, and he's in a police cell with a little lad 
who is eight years old. <laughs> and he's grilling this little lad. This little lad apparently has stolen a cowboy outfit, right? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you stole that cowboy outfit, didn't you, mate? Yeah, yeah. And this kid's like, just he's just like shitting it. He's just stood there. Why did you do that then? And, you know, there's no real answer to questions. They're all open-ended questions. There's, there's no real answer that they can give them. Right, if you carry on like this, you're going to end up in here. You're going to end up in here. You're going to end up in a prison cell. That's where you're going to end up, aren't you, if you keep stealing like this, aren't you? Why did you steal it? Doing that. Have a look around. No windows in here. How would you like being in somewhere with no windows? It's like he's just like pummeling me. <laughs> and his kid's not Scared there. straight. Yeah, he's yeah. like, what, what, what? There's another one, same guy, goes to this kid's house because this kid has been playing truant and his parents open the door. Again, like you said, typical 70s, everything brown. Um, he goes he goes in. And I forget the kid's name. Let's say it's Mark. He's marking. And he's like, his dad said, no, he's in bed. All right, I need to see him. And his dad's going, Mark, 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 get up. Get up. Get out of bed. Get out of bed, you lazy bastard. Come on. <laughs> Just get up. So this, right, this liaison officer, he doesn't like wait for the kid to come downstairs or ask the kid's permission or anything. He just storms upstairs, camera crew following him. He grabs, and I shit you not, he grabs this lad by his hair and pulls him out of bed. Oh, my God. <laughs> when, when your dad tells you to get out of bed, you get out of bed. <laughs> and he's got him by the fucking hair. It's like... There you go. Welcome to 1975. <laughs> like, what? And then it's really interesting because, the, you know, it, it shows and there's a couple of lads and they're in the town, you know, they're going around the shops and they're nicking stuff. And then the female um, liaison officer grabs hold of them and she's giving them shit. And it jumps forward. Oh, this, it's, it's heartbreaking at times, mate, because there's one particular lad. Then it jumps forward 15 years. And he's a mess, you know, like drugs, alcohol, really taking the toll. And he's still on them. And he says it's something along the lines of, I'm just getting worse day by day. I'm not going to live much longer. My life's hell. Bloody blood. It's like, oh, my God. This thing. Could Fucking nobody hell. have helped this lad? He'd just like spiral completely out of control with no parachute, no help, nothing. And I, th if I remember rightly... There's one that seems to have done all right for himself, but all right in a sort of he's now Dell boy kind of way that is like, yeah. oh, yeah, ducking and diving, wheeling and dealing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, where all the other ones, they've done time or they're still doing time and they're really fucked up. And it's, oh, it is a bit depressing, to be, <laughs> to be honest, but Nick Broomfield does make really gritty interesting documentaries so if you're into that kind of thing it's worth watching but i can see why if anybody's listening to this going why would i want to watch that it's, it sounds really depressing looking at how violent and shit kids lives were in the 70s it's uh it sort of reminds me a bit of uh like scum the, yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 like the prison guards or whatever they just the way that they beat the shit out of the the inmates and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, that bloke you just describing there, you know, my, my life's hell. He's probably thinking that bastard has just given me half an hour in bed. Just, <laughs> if I'd have had that lie in, I'd have yeah, been all right. That's but, it. That's fucked him over. That fucking lie. Get your lie in folks. Don't let anybody pull you out of bed by your hair. 
Is that you, by your hair? Not by shit. your hair. Stay in bed. Have a oh care. Oh, my God. So what? <laughs> I, I, was, you know, I don't know if you're spoiling it, but what happened to those two off? Officers, then what happened? Are they still were they still alive when that? Yeah, was made? It, they do interview the male one. Um, from what I remember, I can't remember if they do go back to the female one or not, but they definitely go back to the male one. And he he's a little bit repentant about what he did, but he does say, you know, it was it was another time, even though it's only fifteen years previous. The difference between nineteen seventy five and nineteen ninety was fucking huge. Mm, so you know and and by their own admission they didn't get the training that they should have had could have had and hopefully do get nowadays because you know they're still going um they were just sort of winging it and playing it by ear and not really knowing what they were doing yeah it's trying to scare the kids i mean a a kid eight years old in a prison cell i mean that's you know i mean you would think that things like that wouldn't happen so much anymore would you you know, but not without somebody being there, like a you know, um, a designated well, adult yeah, or exactly, somebody. Yeah, not some scary guy in a film crew because you because yeah. you nicked a cowboy outfit. Jesus, that's <laughs> such a random thing to feel <laughs> as well, isn't it? That was the yeah. big thing in the seventies. You know, and fuck your Nintendo Switch and all of that. Give me a cowboy <laughs> outfit. <laughs> <sighs> Uh, yeah, that's it for documentaries. I've just got movies in the double dip, mate. So if you want to jump in with um, any movies some TV. or some TV, TV, go on, let's go TV. All right, let's go in, in order of enjoyment then. So, so they're all good, but uh, so watch the final series of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which is on Netflix. Ooh, I don't know if nice. you've watched that. No, not yet. No, I didn't even know it was on there, to be honest. Yeah, so it's the final series. I think it's only about 10 episodes um uh, might be 10 or 13 oh, it's, it's it seems that. shorter it seems yeah. shorter than the, the regular series um but yeah i mean it's it's brooklyn 99 it's i'll be honest with you because this i think it was originally written uh around the time you know covid all that kind of stuff everything mm. going on in america black lives matter george floyd so i, I the first episode i'll be honest with you so, so i think a lot of it was rewritten um it felt like they were bombarding you with so much stuff about all of those subjects, um, which w- w- it just was like, holy shit, you know, this is, it's, a, it's a lot to take in. It's, it's, I, I, and some, I didn't feel like I was engaged. I thought, Oh God, if this is the way it's going to go, I'm not really yeah. going to be into it so much. Um, because it just felt like it had to address everything. There, I mean, there was one episode, uh, um, I was talking to somebody about this where I think they addressed it. About similar things like uh, um, I think it was Terry Crews' character mm-hmm. um, being stopped by a cop, you know, because he's, he's a black guy or whatever, you know, that kind of uh, whole thing that that's uh, quite controversial, controversial stop and search, all that sort of stuff. But they handled it in such a really good way that, um, you know, it kind of, whereas with this, it's like it's jump, it's jumping on a whole covid like say george floyd black lives matter you know and you know police brutality and all blah blah all this kind of stuff and it's like shit me but anyway as the, as it went on it actually it seemed to okay we've done that we can put it all to bed so it, it felt more like normal brooklyn 99 it was good send off it was cool it was good it was not my favorite episode but the f- final two episodes were good it was like a two-parter um and it was it's good you know funny sharp just yeah, good acting, good ensemble mm-hmm. cast. Good. So that was 
Yep. Um, Ted Lasso, um, series three. Yeah. Have you watched that yet? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, big fans of Ted Lasso, thanks to you. Um, and so we watched that and really enjoyed it. It was, uh, I, I don't, I think we said before that uh, in series one and two, I don't think there was a bad episode apart from that weird one with, with Coach. Yeah. Who, where he just went off and did his own weird thing. And, and this was, the, the, you know, uh, back to, say back to form. Um, it, it, it didn't feel like there were any real bad episodes, but this in itself tackled a lot of, I suppose, um, serious issues, if you mm. like, you know, footballers getting involved with politics and, you know, fan ownership and how clubs treat fans and all that kind of stuff. So th- there's that element of it, um, which, you know, was, was interesting. But I don't think I've seen a show which is so... Uh, I suppose unashamedly positive in a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. it's like with Ted himself, his character, yeah, Ted goes through a lot, you know, over the whole series, you know, in terms of his relationships, his own anxiety, his relationship with his, his mom in this series. And, you know, uh, and then people don't necessarily take to him, but they kind of get slowly get sucked into that positivity and everything that, you know, he, he kind of stands for. Uh, and it was good. It was really good. I liked the way that they brought back um, the reporter or he's now, he writes his own book, Trent Krim. Um, and, you know, he became part of the, the clan and everything else and how it addressed the the, the relationship with uh, Nate who left. Sorry, these, this is spoilers for people that haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but in, uh, in the second series, um, but it was just funny. It was good. It was, there were so many moments where you were laughing one minute and you were crying the next. Uh, it was a really emotional show uh, the way I think. And, I, and I'm happy for it to end now. I don't think it needs another series. Yeah, I don't, yeah. don't know if there's going to be another one. I think it's for me, it's, it's it's the perfect ending you know it's and i'll it's like i'll talk about indiana jones like you know later on when we talk about films but to me it's like the last crusade was a perfect ending they rode off into the sunset you didn't know it needs to do anything else that mm-hmm. was it there's no more whereas and this is the same type of thing it's got it's the perfect ending for me i don't need any more if they do it i'll watch it but for yeah. me I, you know that's it so I really enjoyed it. It was really cool. Like I said, in tears one minute, laughing the next. <laughs> and and it was good. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it is good. I agree as, with you as well, though, mate. Yeah, this is, I think it's finished perfectly and you don't need any more. Yeah. So I hope they don't do any more. I don't hmm. want them to, you know, but, you know, <laughs> it's just me being selfish. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, you you were happy with it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Um, there was a couple of times where it did dish the schmaltz a little yeah. bit too much for me. I'm never a yeah. big fan of schmaltz, and it just went a little bit too much now and again. But apart from that, no, really enjoyed it. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I totally agree. It was but... good as well because there were certain storylines. Uh, it's like when they go to to Am- Amsterdam, they go to, isn't it? Yes. And yeah. these things happen there, and you and you think, oh, so this is going to happen, and that's going to it's going to branch, and it didn't. It was just a, yeah. sort of its own little thing, which I thought was good as well. Took me by surprise yeah. and was was enjoyable because it didn't go down the predictable route. Yeah. Oh, and the, and uh, yeah, it's, I suppose the whole relationship between um, you know LGBTQ and football yeah and you know they they addressed that as well which was cool and and um yeah it was good i really enjoyed it yeah. really enjoyable um 
And then the last TV show, which I watch, oh, by the way, that is on Apple TV. Yeah. Um, the uh, This is on um, Disney Plus. My God, there's so many ch- <laughs> channels. I, I should say as well, for anybody that hasn't got Apple TV, we've had it. God, we've had it over a year now and still not paid. There seems to be so... I mean, Tina's just used another code that she got for another three months free. I've got one through um, Barclay Card that we're going to use after that, which is for five months. I've never known a channel where there were so many codes to have months for free. And we've just been using them. You'd think after using one code, they'd go, no, you've had you've had some free time to try it out. That's it now. And like, we've got another one and we can still use it. So yeah, keep your eye out if you want some uh, free watching of Apple TV. That's what I'd say. Yeah. There you go. Well, yeah, uh, I, uh, uh, shall I say, I, I acquired <laughs> Ted, Ted Lasso. But anyway, um, but I, I, you know, I, I would, wouldn't, I think I watched the first series by doing like the free trial for seven days. And yeah. I just, we blitzed it. We, it was like, you know, so anyway, so Disney Plus, uh, this one, and I have to thank uh, returning co host, uh, Ramrod. Um, for this recommendation. So um, when I knew that Ramwad was going to be rejoining the fold, uh, I was excited. And so I sent him a few messages just saying, you know, looking forward to listening to you again and hopefully doing a podcast with you at some point in the near future. And um, and he sent me a message back and he said, right, okay, I'm off to go and watch The Bear. I was like, what the fuck's The Bear? I've never heard of this. He says, uh, so he, anyway, he just said, you've got to watch it. It's amazing. So we have. Um two series or seasons whatever you want to call it there are 18 episodes in total i think there's eight in the first series and 10 in the second it's about a uh, world-class chef who through events to do with his family uh, ends up going back to a family-run sort of diner um, restaurant uh, which is well it's a greasy spoon shithole pretty much mm-hmm. and um it's about how he, him coming back into that fold dealing with all the people that are in the restaurant uh wanting to make it better and dealing with a new chef that comes in dealing with the existing people that have got their own problems and uh, it is without doubt one of the best things i've ever watched on tv it is so good the first episode i'll be honest with you because i sat down and watched it with Kay. And um, Kay's, you know, she's a benchmark. She, she, if she sits, sticks sticks with it, then it's it's got to be decent. And so anyway, um, the first episode, because it's, I suppose, a, t- a typical like Gordon Ramsay style kitchen. <laughs> so <laughs> the, the first episode was just people swearing at each other and shouting. It was literally that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow, I don't know if I'm going to get on with this because, you know, if it's like this all the time, it's just, it becomes white noise, doesn't it? But slowly as as it goes on, as the, as the episode, and the, the, bear in mind, the episodes are only generally 30 minutes long. I think one of them is 20 minutes long. Um, and then the longest episode is an hour. Um, but to say, generally speaking, these these episodes are like 30 minutes long. Um, the It's how the characters develop how you learn more about them how like the best shows you you sort of like 
you have an opinion on a, on a character and then you learn something about them mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily like them particularly, but then you end up, you know, wanting them to succeed or wanting them to to do well. And um, I don't think there's been a show, like I said, in the space of say 30 minutes where you are like fist pumping, almost elation, you know, where you are really happy that something's happened and, and then goes from that to just like totally as low as you can get sort of not depression but just like oh can't believe that that's happened it's like people they almost they grasp the the thing that they want the most but then it sort of slips through their fingers or something happens and you just like shit or, or it goes the other way you know what i mean they're at the, the lowest at the point that they can get mm-hmm. and then it's like that rocky moment do you know what i mean yeah it's it's, it's so good um performance wise i'll be honest with you i didn't recognize anybody other than a few cameos which i'm not going to give away because it's nice i think to discover that thing yeah yeah that kind of thing for yourself um i didn't know really anybody in the show um but the lead actor uh, uh jeremy allen white his name is who plays carmen um is superb uh guy called eben moss um Bacharach, uh plays richie who's awesome um ao i'm gonna butcher her surname but uh Adibri, who plays sid she, i mean they're all good it's such it's they're all a great cast they really are um and it's it's got a great soundtrack you know it's kind of got uh, a mixture of diff- like i think the so the music suits the the tone of the episode or what's going on so perfectly i mean there's there's stuff that's uh there's some punk stuff in there there's there's pearl jam there's um then there's like squeeze rem there's there's just loads of stuff in there which you, you know it it suits the tone it, you can tell there's a lot of love and effort that's gone into making this um just like the i suppose the um, uh, if if you like, I suppose the what, what's the word I'm looking for? So the the uh, people who are making the food, they went that that time, that quality, that effort to give you the best possible thing. Yeah, and you know the analogy of that. To, to this is a really good show, and uh, I'd, I'm hoping that there is another one of these because of how the second series has has kind of come to an end. I want to see what happens next. I want to see, and it, it it should naturally carry on. I'm sure it will naturally carry on, but it's on, it's on Disney plus. It's absolutely brilliant. I loved it. And, and uh, yeah, so thanks to Ramrod for um, picking that one out for me. So yeah, loved it. Nice. I don't know if you. I know. I know. TV shows aren't necessarily your thing, but I'm sure Tina would will, will, will watch it. I'm sure she'll watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I mean, again, not going to give anything away, but one episode that was, it, it was, so tense, and because of the 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 nature of the performances, you've got to watch it. But it felt like a horror film, and it's not. It, no, that that atmosphere, <laughs> and it's yeah. not a horror film, but it just. It's like you're on the edge of your seat, and I think you've described it before. When you're watching something, and you start to feel like you, 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 uh, your fingers digging into the chair, yeah, 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 and you're like, oh my god, you know. And then all of a sudden, the tension breaks, and it's just shit. Okay, need to have a, I need to have a walk around now. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, it's great. It's really good, really, really good. So I'd highly recommend if you get a chance to watch it. Watch the bear. It's uh, fantastic. Good. Some good TV there, mate. Yep. 
Are we on to uh, are we on to movies now? Yes. Um, and I'm sure you... we'll double up on I, the ones I'm pretty sure you'll say. I, I'll leave for you to mention because I'm pretty sure you're going to say at least two of these that I've got. At least two. I think at, at least, least two. At least yeah. two. Yeah. So anyway, uh, well, you go now. I've, I've had a bit of a go. So you have a chat. Go on then. I'll start off with, um, well, while we've been doing these shows, mate, we've we've talked and enjoyed quite a few movies which are about American teenage girls, believe, mm. in a non-creepy kind of way, he says. <laughs> but the, the way you said it, said yeah. it a bit creepy. Oh, yeah, we're two, we're two oh. you know, ageing British men looking at American teenage <laughs> girls. <laughs> and here's another, I mean, we've, and again, uh, you know, if you haven't watched these two movies, go and watch them. We talked about them in previous shows. Booksmart is one, which is really, really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and Eighth good. Grade, Eighth Grade is another really good one. Oh, so going back to you, you carry on, but I'm sure I, I, was, I was looking at the, the director of um, The Bear and I think yeah. he was a producer on eighth grade. I'm sure he oh, was. Oh, okay. Anyway, carry on. Well, this is a 2023 movie, um, again, about an American. Well, actually, we, <laughs> this is just going to sound dodgy as fuck. We're going even younger. It's about an American girl who's 11. There you go. No. Uh, it's called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And it's an adaptation of a 1970 novel by Judy Bloom. Uh, it stars Abby Ryder Fortson as the 11-year-old Margaret Simon. And she moves with her family, of course, from New York to New Jersey in the 1970s. And it's there because, you know, she was really settled where she was. She got friends. Family was there. You know, the other part of her family. Because their family's very estranged. We'll get to that in a minute. So it's all about her trying to make new friends, meeting boys. Uh, the girls that she meets there and becomes friends with. One of them is wearing a bra. So all the other ones are really jealous because they're not wearing a bra yet. Who's going to be first to get the period? Uh, family trauma. Her father is Jewish and her mother is Christian. And her mother is estranged from her parents because she married a Jew and they were really against him. So Margaret doesn't see her mother's parents. She just sees her father's mum, so her grandmother on the father's side, who she's really close to. And it's, it's essentially another film about growing up and all that it entails and... Uh, and it's funny and it's sad and it all rides on the performance of Abby Ryder Fortson as Margaret. She is so, so good in it. And it's, again, if you liked Booksmart in eighth grade, because, again, you think, well, how can you sort of connect with, you know, a young American girl? But you just can. You can, you know, you can put yourself, you've been in similar situations as a kid yourself. You know, even though we weren't waiting to wear a bra or get a pair. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. Well, I feel like I could wear one now, mate. Bloody hell. Um, the joys are getting older. Uh, but yeah, it, it's a really good family, funny, feel good, feel sad kind of film that is a good, I'd put it as a trilogy now with Booksmart, eighth grade, and now, um, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. So if you enjoyed the first two, watch this one. 
Mm, sounds good. What's what's that on? Is that uh, that is available? on? Um, it is. Yeah, it is. No, it's on the streaming service again. Oh, one of the big three: Netflix, uh, Amazon, or Disney. Some one of those. Okay. Uh, here's here's one. It's a little bit different. One that passed me by. Can't think of why this passed me by. Well, I can think of one reason, and that is because there was a shit ton of these movies. It's from two thousand and eight, and it's called Superhero Movie. Now. Can you remember, mate, when there was a dearth of, there was date movie, epic movie, scary movie, disaster movie. There was loads, Mm. weren't there? And they were all piss-taking ones. Meet the Spartans. Meet the Spartans. Oh, there was just, and that was shit, though. That was, there was a lot that were really shit. And I think that's why this passed me by, because it it would come to 2008. It's like, oh, fucking hell, here's another one. Superhero movie this time. Oh, my God. I've watched it twice, right? Oh. Oh, okay. I've watched it twice in the last couple of months. Uh, it is, it's juvenile, silly, immature, rude, ridiculous humour, the the type that I fucking lap up. Uh, Drake Bell plays Rick Riker, and he gets bitten by a mutated dragonfly and becomes, surprisingly enough, the dragonfly. It has uh, Leslie Nielsen's in it, by the way. There's a, there's a plus oh, point. That, there you go. That's a selling point. Yeah, isn't it? one of his. It's only a few years before before he died. I think it's one of the last films that he was in, and it is. You know, you think of you know the likes of let's well let's stick with Leslie Nielsen, Naked Gun, Airplane, that kind of really fast gag after gag after gag. Most of them hit. Some don't. Very very silly. There is. There's a scene in this, mate, and it is, all it is, is one long succession of fart gags. That's all it is. (laughs) And it just goes on and on and on, and I'm fucking crying, laughing. I'm just crying, laughing. (laughs) Can't beat a good fart gag, mate. Uh, Yeah, it's just, if you like that kind of just really silly, immature humour, this is one of the better of those types of films that I've seen in a long time. I laughed a lot in it, mate. Even on the second viewing, I laughed a lot. So if, mm. it's, if it has passed you by, and maybe like me, you overlooked it because of, you know, how shit, like Meet the Spartans and other ones were, jump onto this one. Superhero movie. Ah, check that one out. Just um, interestingly, I've just been looking. So the director of this um so craig mazin um you know generally speaking like these people who direct these films they just you know you never hear of them again do you they go on to make other shit Mm. well anyway so he wrote so he he did scary movie three four then he did superhero movie then he wrote the hangover part two uh part three whatever so there's you know you think you know he's going down that kind of route yeah but but then in 2019 yeah he he wrote chernobyl um (laughs) and the last and the last of us and he directed an episode of The Last of Us as well. So, so after, you know, so you see, well, that's a bit of a, you know, that, that's a jump, isn't it? Maybe isn't he's it? fed up of doing sort of those kinds of things. Yeah. So there's no fart God. gags in Chernobyl, mate, is there? That's for sure. No, don't, apart when people shit themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but it's got a good cast as well, actually. Like you mm. said, Kevin, Kevin Hart's in it. Um, Keith David. Yeah. Um, Robert Hayes. Jeffrey Tambor. Oh, I'll have to check, I'll check that one out. Mm. 
Brent Spiner's what's, in what, it as well. What's his What's his superpower? Um, can he fly? Oh well, that's a running joke through the film, so I'll say no more about that. But he has uh, he has like you know he's very strong and very quick and yeah he's you know he stops a I think it's a bus or a truck by throwing himself in front of it. You know he's he's a proper superhero. Mm-hmm. Pamela Anderson is in it as well. Yes, yes. Right yeah. before I pass it back over to you, I'm going to give you a double bill. These are two Ooh. films. If you if you want to watch. If you've got a good few hours one night and you want to watch two films, two violent films about World War Two, I'm going to give you two now that pair up really nicely, mate. Let <clears throat> excuse me. Let's start off. 2023, Blood and Gold, a German movie, which is set at the end of World War Two, and it's about a German uh, who is looking for his daughter while an SS troop is looking for some hidden gold, and of course their paths cross and a lot of violence happens it's really good it's quite tense um it is violent uh you do care about the the main character in it uh some surprises in it twists and turns you think whoa okay wasn't expecting that very very good very good german film mate pair that Mm. pair that up with 2022's sisu s-i-s-u a finnish movie set in Finland, again, towards the end of World War II. Uh, and it follows this sort of legendary Finnish commando. Uh, and he's also a gold prospector. And he's got a load of gold that he wants to cash in. Unfortunately, <laughs> again, there's another SS troop, and they want the gold. So he's got to defend himself against it. This is very, very stylized. the direction in it. Um... Uh, the whole, the cinematography, everything about it is very stylized, And again, very violent. <laughs> There's some, some shit in it where you're going, what the fuck? It's a good, a good double bit. Even if you watch one one night and one another night, I think they're good to sort of watch close together. Um, two violent films set in World War II that are very enjoyable. So Blood and Gold from 2023 and Sisu from 2022. Um, mm. of course, because the German and Finnish, they are subtitled. Not sure if you could, because we always, well, I say always 99.9% of the time, watch them in the original language with subtitles. So I'm not 100% sure if you have the option to watch dubbed versions or not. I'm not sure about that. Just in case, you know, you're listening and you don't like subtitles, which I know there's a lot of people out there, but even subtitled, worth watching. Mm. Mm-hmm. I've heard of um, Sisu. Yeah, um, and I've I've heard that's good. I've uh, people comparing it to um, Mad Max Fury Road. I'm not quite yeah. sure why, but yeah, um, yeah, I can see why. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Mm. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. yeah. Right, I shall hand it over to you, mate. Excellent. Right. Okay. So, um, just I suppose, like I said, blockbuster season. So um, I'll rattle through these very quickly, just give a, a few words on them. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, went to watch that, really enjoyed the first one. Um, this one is, again, dazzling just in terms of what's going on the screen. It's a real showpiece. Um, I and Lucy, I took Lucy to watch it, didn't know that it was the middle part of a trilogy. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so you know we were watching it and it it ends on a cliffhanger and we were like just like 
we looked at each other and I was like, no way. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was just like, we, we, we went, no fucking way. But I'd have been a bit <laughs> surprised if she'd turn around and said that. But honestly, we, it's, yeah, it's really good. Um, it's almost, you do, I think I still prefer the first one, but the second one, it's a high benchmark of quality. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't know if you've watched that, but I definitely recommend it. No, I watched the first one um, and Tina bought it me on Blu-ray because I, I loved it that much. So I still need to watch this second one. Yeah. Uh, and then Flash, um, which I think has done piss poor, I mean, comparatively. <laughs> at the box office you know compared to what its expectations were i guess so um yeah uh, i think i said at the last time we recorded i wanted to watch it because of uh michael keaton returning mm -hmm. as batman yeah um uh, and it wasn't worth it <laughs> i mean it, you know it is good to see him and in the bat suit but i think you said at the time that you've watched the trailer and that's all that you yeah we're gonna do, watch um it's the cg the cg in it i I don't know if it's supposed to be bad, but it's really bad in places, like really shonky. But because he's he's sort of like he goes to a different timeline and whatever, and I, I don't know if it's supposed to be bad. It's just oh, okay. It's really not good. It's not good at all. And um, it's it got me thinking about you know going on to the next blockbuster film about like uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, which mm. was uh, very meh. I, I have you watched <laughs> that one? No. No, got to admit um, that was, and um, we've been to the cinema three times in the last month, and we didn't bother with that one, which says a lot, really. We're both quite happy to wait until it comes streaming. Yeah, I mean, I think that that'll come out on Disney Plus at yeah. some point soon because it's uh, obviously a Disney property now. But I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like I said, the original trilogy, you know. It, it finished it perfectly uh right off into the sunset with his dad and then obviously kingdom of the crystal skulls came out which wasn't great but then this it, it's sort of obviously the running gag is is that he's old well because he is do you know what i mean and, yeah and, yeah but but that well that gets old quite quickly because i mean to be fair you know he still looks good obviously he's 80 now i think and uh you know so he and and there is that sort of that certain um, thrill, I suppose, of seeing, you know, the hats and whatever, and seeing him playing Indiana Jones. But I think I had reservations when it was announced, you know, because of his age and because of the, and now they do the de aging thing, which mm -hmm. is okay. But it just, I it just got me thinking about, like I said, Michael Keaton coming back to reprise the role of Batman and getting all of these. It's like that bring you back this this certain nostalgia, but then it also kind of tarnishes the name a little bit, you know, it, it, for me a little bit. It just, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Whether it's it's, it's there obviously to satisfy fans, but it just, mm. I don't think doing that guarantees box office success because based yeah. on report, this is an underwhelmed, um, been underwhelming in terms of its box office. Uh, compared to, I think it's one of the most expensive films ever made, which looking at it, you think, I don't quite see how, I don't understand, I can't see it, well, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of CG in it, um, you know, there's, but, I mean, yeah, it, it's just, it was a bit meh, I came out of the cinema a bit feeling very, uh, you know, yeah. flat, 
Um, but then, I mean, I'll talk about another blockbuster film, which um, we've both seen, uh, which I didn't feel flat about. I think, in fact, I came out of it thinking, shit, uh, <laughs> wow, that was good. Uh, it was Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Um, all I could think of was how the hell are they going to top this in Part 2? Yes. Because it <laughs> it's so, I mean, there's that... Um, that video on YouTube, I think it's like eight, nine minutes long of him doing the stunt where he jumps, Tom Cruise jumps off a cliff on a motorbike. And it, and it's not only that, but it's him doing all his training, doing, you know, just razzing around a track on his motorbike. And you just think he is a real life superhero. It's oh, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. Some of the things he does, you know, for the sake of entertainment, um, but also I'm sure pushing himself and challenging himself, you know, to do stuff, you know, adrenaline junkie, whatever. Mm. But um, it's a really good film. I, I, the, the, the Mission Impossible films, it's hard to believe that they've been going since 1996. Yeah. I don't know if anybody thought that they would carry on for this long, but I mean, you, you're sort of into, I mean, how, how many are there, have there been? Um, two, three, because they've got, the, they've got subtitles, now, haven't they? Yeah. So is it seven, seven I think films? this is seven. The next one is eight, I think. I mean, he's got to stop at some point. I, th- I mean, going back to, I think it was Ghost Protocol when they introduced Jeremy Renner's character. I think that was, people were thinking, oh, he's going to hand it o- over to some mm-hmm. a new new action hero, whatever. Um, but, you know, he's, I mean, Tom Cruise is 60, but there's no sign of him oh, slowing down or stopping. I don't want him to get any older. I know. <laughs> I don't, because so he can just keep doing stuff like this. But it's... I mean, he's had uh, Top Gun Maverick last year, and then now this. Um, he doesn't make a load of films, does he? But he tends to, he he's single handedly uh, um, almost like ca- kind of carrying, dragging cinema, you know, yeah. uh, along, isn't he? You know, making these massive spectacle films. Him and I suppose um, Christopher Nolan, you could argue, but. Just he wants to make fun, entertaining movies, yeah. doesn't he? And it is the stories, um, you know, interesting. Um, the the, uh, the the action's really good in it. It's that the final sequence. I mean, I, I wanted to watch it again, but it seemed because Oppenheimer, there, Oppenheimer and Barbie were around the corner. Yeah. It seemed to sort of like it 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 moved away from IMAX really quickly. Um, so, but I wanted to go and watch it again because it was awesome. I loved yeah. it. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was another uh, one. It was well worth watching in IMAX too. That didn't mean that added. Oh, that added loads to it. You know, the size of the picture, the spectacle, the sound was just yeah. whoa. This is so so good. Like you said, that yeah. final sequence. Oh my god, it's just like. Oh, he's going to finish now. No, it's not. There's something else. Oh my god! And then this is happening, and then that's happening, and you think you're getting near the end, and then something else happens, and it's like, holy shit! Can I take any more? <laughs> yeah it was it was i, I watched uh, <clears throat> I, I don't generally watch them before i've watched the films i watched um mark kermode's review and he was talking about <laughs> it and he said some he, he scribbles notes as he w- watches his films yeah and I, th- I think he said that at that whole final sequence he just wrote fuck my hat <laughs> i don't know what uh because it was just like oh you know proper just yeah, just really over, yeah, completely overwhelmed with it. It was yeah, pure cinema, and that's a good thing. So, I mean, Tom Cruise does it's his passion, isn't it? You know, filmmaking is really is his passion, and yeah. it and it shows on screen. 
So uh, looking forward to that. Mm. Um, and I, I, so I think they generally, you know, the, the Mission Impossible films have generally got better and better over the years. Um, you know, I, I mean, still, I'm still a big fan of, I like the Brian De Palma original, you know. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. A bit different at the time, I think. And um, anyway, so uh, can we talk about Oppenheimer? We most certainly can. Because... <laughs> Well, go on. You carry. You go because I've wanted to talk to somebody about this because I'm a bit. I'm a bit <laughs> conflicted about it. And then when I saw your review of it, I thought, okay, I can talk to Dave about this because I'll feel safe. Because I get the feeling that if you talk to Pete, the wrong person about it, yeah, they will make you feel stupid and also look at you as if. Well, don't you get that this is one of the greatest films ever made <laughs> or something? Do, do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, I and, mean. Yeah, yeah. and so, and when I saw your review, I thought, phew. Uh, and you know, when I was, I was kind of, I was, I was rating it on Letterboxd. Yeah. And I was, it's in the back of my mind thinking, oh, I should be giving this a five stars, shouldn't I? I should be, I shouldn't be, but I'm not. I'm not I'm, is there something wrong with me? It's almost like I've been gaslit to, you know, to believe something that, because all the trailers, all the reviews, all the all the critics are, are you know, masturbating over it and just yeah. go, oh, and 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 I, yeah. Anyway, what did you think of it? Well, before we get into what I think of it, I think we need to um, to address a couple of other points. The first one being, Whee! Whee! yeah, vegan alert, mate. Ooh, Oppenheimer, Einstein refers to salmon. Doesn't eat it. Just refers to it. Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, don't refer to any living thing or else. Otherwise, right. you'll get another. Whee! There was there was this is another reference, by the way. Didn't happen. There's a reference to the people killed from the bombs dropped. Now to me, shouldn't that be a cannibal alert? Because it's People have died. There's a yeah. reference to people dying. And, you know, if you eat people, it, it might be upsetting for you. So I should have a cannibal alert button now that we <laughs> we can do. Um, oh, I have to think about that. Oh, what sound drop would you have for a cannibal alert? Um, uh -huh. Email us, folks. Cannibal alert. What would be the sound drop? <laughs> Let us know. Um, and we'll play it on the next show. Yeah. So we went to watch it in, um, in IMAX because, you know, Christopher Nolan... You should watch them in IMAX. And yeah, he demands that you watch them in IMAX. He if does. You don't watch. You don't watch it in IMAX. There's something wrong with you. Yeah, you're not. You're not fully appreciating it. You're not getting everything that it's it's meant no. to be. Tell him, email Christopher Nolan. Say that you pirated it and you watched it on your phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, he'd have a heart attack. He would. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what is it? It's about three hours long, and. I mean, good story, story that needed to be told. I would think uh, a lot of the current generation wouldn't have no idea who Oppenheimer was uh, and his importance in, well, could say, was it was it making peace? Was it bringing the world to the brink of extinction, which could have happened? Um, you know, there's, you should know about this person and the story of it. But the way it was told... It is, I mean, I came out of it thinking, ah, it was okay. It was all right. It was essentially three hours of people having conversations. 
Mm. a lot of those conversations, which is typical of Christopher Nolan, you couldn't make out a lot of what they were saying because of the yeah. loud, the loud, you know, the sound mix, be it effects or the music score was really overpowering what people were saying. And yeah, and Tina made a point. She said, I mean, she didn't, she didn't really enjoy it. I mean, we thought it was good, you know, we thought it was okay. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't incredible. I'm not going to rush to watch it again. Um, but enjoyed my time while I did watch it. But she said, I think I need to watch it again at home when it comes out. Only because I can put subtitles on and make out what everybody is saying. Because there was a lot of the dialogue missed. Uh, another point that she made, I agree with it, is there was some, I would say, gratuitous nudity. I thought the nudity in it was not really needed. It seemed mm. a bit sort of titillating. Did it need to be there? I mean, you know, you could show that they had this relationship and they had sex, but did there need to be that much nudity in it? I don't know. I don't think so. It was all very dry for me. And while I didn't go into it expecting it to be like, you know, Mission Impossible and balls out action, crazy stunts going on, I did get a bit weary of, there's another conversation scene. And I've missed a lot of what they've said. And on to the next one. I got a little bit, dare I say, bored at times. Mm-hmm. Which... I mean, we went to the... Not only did we go to the IMAX, mate, we went in those posh seats at the front. You know, the ones where you can put your feet up and you lean back. Oh, okay. Have you ever been in those? Have you ever no, been in, no, oh, not been in those. Oh, they are so com too comfortable, in fact, because, you know, didn't, didn't nod off. If you go into one of those and you're a little bit tired, mate, and the film doesn't keep your attention, you could nod off pretty easily because it's like a proper big reclining armchair and you've got the the tray that comes in front of you. And I did the whole cinema experience. I even bought, in the cinema, which costs a fucking fortune, nachos, you know, mm -hmm. melted cheese on it, all that kind of stuff. Drink, did, you know, the full cinema experience for it. Yeah, and came out thinking, yeah, it was okay. It was all right. <laughs> it was, it was, I wasn't surprised by what I saw. It was what I was expecting it to be. But, yeah, I think I'm finding that with a lot of Christopher Nolan films. The same with Tenet. We we went and watched that at, at IMAX. I have no real interest in watching it again. Yeah. And I got the same complaint. And when, while there was more action in that, there was still, what did they say? What's going on? Yeah. And a few times, well, hold on. Can I rewind it a minute? Because what's, go what's going on? I'm sort of losing the thread with this one. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And it, like you, it does seem to be, well, it's a five-star film. It's Christopher Nolan and it's amazing. And it's, and it's mm, as a piece of filmmaking, you know, if again, if we're rating, your star rating on Letterboxd and you were going as a film and the way it's put together and so on, I'd give it more stars. But I always rate my films, as I've said many times on these shows, it's just how much I enjoy the film. That's it. You know, Samurai Cop, it's a five-star film for me. It's shitly made shit and everything's shit about it, but fuck me, I enjoy it. It's a five-star film. And yeah. that's how I rate on Letterboxd. For me, this was... I may watch it again. Won't be asked if I don't. So what did you think then, mate? Yeah, I, I came out of it feeling a bit conflicted because I, I, so I, I took Kay to watch it 
and Barbie came out obviously the same weekend. And uh, there was that, um, I don't know if there was in your cinema, but you know, that, that Barbie um, like life-size doll box that you could go and stand in and have your picture taken. No, then, no, we didn't have that. Yeah. There's a few of those. I've, not, I've seen it. I don't know if it's a cine world thing, but I've seen a few of those. And anyway, I, uh, so I, I think I got the distinct impression and Kate pretty much said it anyway afterwards that uh, she would have preferred to watch Barbie. Um, and I kind of feel a little bit like I would have done as well. Um, so it, it, like you said, that it's three hours long. Now, there was a few things that went through my mind when I watched it. Um, now, I haven't watched JFK for some time, but mm-hmm. I remember watching JFK quite a lot and enjoying it. Now, that's probably coming on for three hours or whatever. Made me because that's obviously based around real life events and all that kind of stuff. So and it, it made me think, oh, I, I really want to watch JFK. Don't know why that went through my mind. And then the other thing that went through my mind was because of its similar themes, I suppose the the whole nuclear stuff and the you know effect that it has on the had on the world and everything was. Hmm, I really like Chernobyl, uh, but but you know you know when things like that go through your mind, yeah, thinking yeah. that I'm not totally locked into this film, I'm not totally yeah. engaged. And that's the thing, see, because everybody's telling you how good this film is and that you must see it and it's five stars and it's amazing and all this kind of stuff. I still gave it four stars, but then I was conflicted about that. What I think probably was more for the technical achievement of it, the performances, yeah. the you know, because the performances, you know, Killian Murphy's uh, fantastic in it. And, you know, as are the, the other people that are in it, it's, you know, Robert Downey Jr. But, but like you said, because the timeline bounces around all over the shop and then because of these comments, it is a lot of conversations, a lot of conversations. Yeah. And I, I'm similar to you with Tenet. Now, you know, let's get this right. So I am a Christopher Nolan fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I think um, Memento's a cracking film. Oh, that's definitely, first, definitely. First film of his that I saw. Yeah. You know, um, and then obviously went on to do the Batman films, which I, I really enjoy and love those. And 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 then um, Inception. I love Inception. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a... But to me, Inception's a smart film, but it's done in such a way that you feel locked into it and you understand what's going on. Yeah. Whereas with Tenet, I didn't feel like that. I I felt like it was kind of because of perhaps of, for the sound, because of the story and whatever. I just, I didn't engage with it at all. Um, and with this, I think, like I said, there's so, there's a lot to admire about it, but I just kind of came out of it thinking, Oh fuck me! I, I, I you know, I, I probably <laughs> like you and Tina. I, I could, you know, I need to watch it. I say need. I could do watching it again to fully appreciate it. Yeah, but I don't think that's going to happen because it has a running time that. And don't get me again. Don't get me wrong. I love the Lord of the Rings films. But, you know, they're long films, but it has a running time for me, which is off-putting. To mm. a point, because of and because of how I feel about it, do I want to go back watching the film again at home in the version that that Christopher Nolan will probably you know chastise me about watching it on a fifty inch <laughs> telly, um, and then kind of think, yeah, still don't know if I like it or not. Yeah, <laughs> do you know, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? I, or yeah. I could watch. I could watch two one and a half hour ninety minute films that uh such as 
uh, Blood Moon or whatever, and and get a, <laughs> a, get a kick out of you know and enjoy uh, because that was a totally different type of film, but potentially more entertaining um, or entertaining in a different way. Yeah, but, I get well. Yeah, on Letterboxd, as people will see, if you know if you follow me on Letterboxd, I gave Blood Moon more stars than uh, Oppenheimer. Which yeah. you know, I would probably be poo-pooed about by many cinephiles, but I enjoyed Blood Moon a lot more than I did Oppenheimer, so it gets more stars. But and again, I I do go back to um, I don't watch every Kermode review, but the films that I've watched, and then you know I'll go back and watch his review, and I th- and it it surprised me actually that he had similar th- thoughts that he wasn't totally locked into it, you know? And, and mm-hmm. so he, he was, he, did, he admired it on, on certain levels, but then because of the nature of the performances and everything else, I think the film for me worked best when you've got Matt Damon and Killian Murphy's sort of like characters together and they're yeah. talking about yeah. making the bomb and you've got the army's kind of perspective on it. And then you've got obviously the scientist's perspective on it and all yeah. of that kind of stuff. But then the whole stuff about with Robert Downey Jr. And his senate hearing and mm. you know then the whole backstory and it was all about that you know his relationship with oppenheimer and and how he's f- sort of first impression of him then led to lots of things down the road and i just lost I, yeah i just the more i think about it the more i think yeah i wish <laughs> i'd watch barbie <laughs> which which you have um and so i and that's done stupendous business oh my god um, yeah it's it's crazy now so anyway i suppose moving on from oppenheimer then talk about bar because would you say it would be suitable for my children to watch because they you know they watched barbie animated films they play with barbies um you know and they're excited to watch this because i think their impression of it is mm-hmm. it's going to be like a barbie film but is it <laughs> is it is it something that they could what you think bear uh, lucy's 11 and Sophie's nearly seven, so. Maybe Lucy. I would say 12 and over. So Lucy's close. I wouldn't say Sophie, no. Okay. We, went, we went and watched it. Um, and it, we went to, oh, it was an afternoon showing. And there was me and Tina. In front of us, there was, oh, there was this old woman by herself. I felt so sorry. You know, when you see like, pensioners by themselves and it's like oh what's her story she probably had a barbie when they first came out you know that's why she's there she's had one since the beginning and she's like yes the doll i used to play with as a kid and then behind us there, there wasn't a lot of people it, you know it was it was virtually empty but there was um there were some parents that brought the kids there were some grandparents that had brought two girls and i'd say the girls the two girls that they brought oh six and seven somewhere around there and um yeah they i mean i i work with i work with somebody and she's got two girls and they're i think they're 7 and 8 and she came out of there and went no it's not really for them <laughs> it's the, it's a film for adults mate it's a mm. film it's you know it is a film for it begins and i defy it and it, it, there are any kids like 12 and under who would get a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey that's at the beginning of that film. The, the whole mm-hmm. beginning sequence of it is a complete piss take of it. 
where, you know, you've got the cavemen and, the, you know, the, they're there and this obelisk appears and they throw a stick in it. You know, the, all that, everything that goes on is recreated with little girls and Barbie dolls. And so you're thinking, how kids are going to get that? There's, and I think it was in one of the trailers where Ken and they're all on the beach and they have, and they, and they say, they start like, they don't fight, but they go, you're going to beach me off. Yeah, you no, I'll beach you off. Yeah, you beach me. I'll be. We'll beach. We'll beach each other off. You know that sort of double entendre play on words going on. So many kids will come out of this and go to their parents or their grandparents and sort of go, "Gran, what's the patriarchy?" Because <laughs> take take a shot every time the word patriarchy is said, and you'll be pissed before the film finishes. So they'll be, "What's all that about?" It's very grown up humour, mate. I think a lot of people will be taking the kids to it thinking it's sort of a live action Pixar movie, you know, expecting that sort of thing. It's not. It is not. <laughs> it's, I, w- I would definitely say sort of, yeah, 12 and over, really, to get it, to mm-hmm. really, I mean, they might, you know, younger kids will go, oh, it's Barbie on screen. And, you know, maybe that's all that they want. Everything else will go over their heads. The majority of the humour will, you know, the, the snappy dialogue, the visuals, they'll just, like I said, with that, you know, even that, that patriarchy thing, what's what's that about? Yeah, okay, let's let's explain that when we get home, shall we? But for the adults in the house, fuck me, I would be surprised if this isn't in my top five films of the year. Oh, wow, really? I fucking loved it. <laughs> it's a buyer. It's a 4K buyer, mate. Because it's going to look sumptuous, the set design uh, and, you know, the clothes in it, everything about it is just so good. I mean, the colours, you know, like just ping, you know, loads of pink, obviously, lots of vibrant colours in it. Looks incredible uh, all the way through. Very sharp script, really good story. Uh, One of the best final lines of a movie that I've, I've noticed in a long, long time. It was like, how, how are you going to end this film? Line of the movie finishes it perfectly, mate. It's so good. Oh, wow. Uh, before I forget as well, uh, we should have, because there is a vegan alert. Whee! So be careful of this, kids, because... Now, this, this, is a, this is a strange one, because the vegan alert says the ugliest mink coat you've ever seen, okay? The ugliest uh-huh. mink coat you've ever seen. Then, underneath it, there's a vegan point. There'll have to be accommodation for my pussy. Which, <laughs> I do love that one. Which is, it was inferred that the mink coat was faux fur. So make your um. fucking mind up. It's like, on one, you're saying, oh, vegan alert, it's, it's a mink coat. And then, oh no, vegan point. It was implied that it's fake fur. So, yeah, make your mind up. But you can't, you can't mention a salmon. No, there was no references to, <laughs> to salmon or people being bombed and killed. It's not either. even eating the salmon. It's just a, a, just saying that referred, the salmon. Yeah, just referred to salmon. So, yeah, don't, don't mention any kind of animals. Yeah, I'm surprised, actually, a vegan. Uh, there isn't a vegan. Sorry, I can't say vegan alert without doing this. Surprised there wasn't a vegan alert. Whee! About horses, <laughs> because Ryan Gosling, oh my God, who knew he had the comedy chops like this? He is so funny, in it? 
Mm. Uh, and he dis- he discovers he discovers the patriarchy over in the real world and brings it back to Barbie's world. But he thinks he thinks it involves. It's mostly to do with horses. It's just having a horse. You're a man and you ride a horse, and that's saying you're in charge of everything. Oh, bonus for me because uh, Greta Gerwig, the director, big big Sly fan. Oh, mate, watch it when you watch it. See how many t- Sly's not in it, unfortunately. Um, but see how many photographs slash posters of Sly there are in the film. His one, bit of a deep dive. There's a big picture of him from Nighthawks, where he's got the beard. Ooh. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. I thought, oh, fair play. And Nighthawks. Oh, that's that's a, a niche. niche film. That really is. I mean, you expect, okay, it's going to be Rocky or Rambo. <coughs> Excuse me, maybe a cliffhanger. You know, something like that. Demolition Man. Cobra. No, Nighthawks, mate. Wow. That was good. But yeah, absolutely loved it. Can't wait to watch it again. It's one um, that I will watch quite a bit. And like I say, yeah, definitely a buyer. 4K buyer. Well, there you go. Well, it's... <laughs> I probably based on that then I won't take um Sophie. No, but, I wouldn't. No. No. Okay, fair enough. I mean, please if you do, you know, if you do go with Lucy and you think, "Oh, it could be all right." Take her a second time because <laughs> I I would definitely go and watch it again. You know, it's one yeah. I'd happily watch twice in the cinema. But yeah, yeah I th- I for me I would say no. I th- it's really is sort of 12ish is any younger than that is you're just not going to get anything out of it. Apart from, oh, it's Barbie on the screen. Fair enough. Okay. Mm. Have you got many more films? I've, I've got one more before the double dip. Ah, okay. Well, I'll just mention these this one very quickly because I've mentioned it before. But um, I fancied watching one Friday night, um, Excalibur, um, oh. John Borman from 1981. You know what, and I know you know I what? know you can. I can know you can do the. the, the what's it called? The the, the something. The Let's charm of making. It. Tina's going to be listening to this and going, Dave, you've got to say it. She made me. She didn't make me. She bought me. I've got a copper bracelet with it with it engraved onto it, mate. Uh, what is it? Anal Nathrach. Anal Nathrach. Uthas bedvad doch del dienve. Oh, oh I, t- I've been. T- <laughs> Tina, oh, she'll be, oh, she'll be sat on a towel now. I've been, I have, in, I have invoked the dragon's breath. Oof! I saw yeah. it. I saw it in the cinema when it was released. Um, fucking crazy double bill. Uh, this was when you'd go to the cinema and you'd watch a film, but there was always two on there, and you never knew what the first film would be. And and again, this was in the days when you'd walk, you'd walk into the cinema, you'd pay, you'd go in, you know, pay one to six but you'd go in. It could be playing. They just showed two films back to back, nonstop. First film, second film, first film, second film. The the first film was a soft core porno called The Other Cinderella. <laughs> How about? Okay. I mean, what what a double bill, The Other Cinderella, and it really was a soft core porno. All I remember about it, um, because Ike, who I've mentioned many times on the podcast, you know, been friends since we were eleven. To this day, in fact, actually, I got, I forget what it was. He sent me something because on it, it said, it's a snapper. Now, if you've watched the other Cinderella, the phrase, it's a snapper, will mean something to you. Um, yeah, weird one to put on with Excalibur. 
love it. Watched it to death on VHS. Same on, um, same on DVD. Same on Blu-ray. Love it. Love it. Love it. Mm. Well, I hadn't watched it in a long time. Sorry, I'm looking at the the other Cinderella, <laughs> uh, an, an American erotic musical comedy film. Mm. Um, there you go. I'm going to watch that later. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's one of those. I I watched it a lot when I was young as well, and I probably shouldn't have watched it because you know I just remember be, being really graphic and violent. Yeah. And, um, and and yeah, I it's still a, a cracking film for me. I thought yeah. it was really good, really enjoyable, entertaining. Um, the music in it is great. The, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the performances are really good. Um, I'd say it is, it is violent, but there's not as much violence in it as, as I remember there being, um, you know, the, there's some, but the fight scenes, some of the action and, and everything is, is great. And I've always wondered this, and I think I've said this to you before, but um, when, um, uh, oh God, what's his name? The, the guy, um, Uther. Um, yes. When he goes to Igraine, disguised <laughs> yeah. as the uh, the other guy, her husband, mm-hmm. and he has sex with her. Yeah. How, how the fuck he's got his armor on? How does he have sex with her? He's still got his armor on. I just don't. How did that happen? They Which must have answers? had. I don't know. Was the there must have been some sort of hinged cock flap <laughs> so, but then you think that might have sharp edges or you know what if it gets a bit rusty you're gonna yeah. be you'd have to be a bit careful wouldn't you and also the armor's got like spikes all over it you know and whatever i mean that'd be dangerous for the woman mm. i don't know but um bdsm but no, early bdsm mate yeah i, I said I, this came out in 1981 so i must have been probably nine or ten when i first watched it and um you know it's uh but it is, it is really a good film, really entertaining. Um, and it's got a good cast as well. You know, Patrick oh, yeah. Stewart pops up in it. It's, um, yeah, brilliant, 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 brilliant. Um, and I think that, my, oh, well, I've got to mention Blood Moon, haven't I? I mean, <laughs> come on. So uh, uh, I'll blow a bit of smoke up yours and Ramrod's backside, I think, for this next oh, little I'll, section. Hold on. I'll just, uh, I shall gape ready for that smoke to go up there. There you go. Bend over. Right. Um, well, so... As I mentioned earlier on, Ramrod has returned to 60MW um, after his um, his departure it's, for for a number of years. His his ten year hiatus. His ten yes. his ten year stay in a, ten years in, How a, long a, has it been? in a Turkish prison, like he said in the intro show. It's been a few years though, hasn't it's it? Been, and, I think uh, it's been I think it's been about eight. Yes. Well, for, for people who didn't, who haven't listened from the, you know, from the start, um, how dare you? But Ramrod, Dave and I, we used to do the entertainment shows. And uh, that was when we used to get like properly pissed up. And, and we'd like, uh, <laughs> well, I would sometimes piss in a bottle. I think we all did. Been... I think we all did. Because <laughs> you didn't want to take a toilet break. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the, it was... Um, Going back to Blood Moon, because there's, there's a scene in that that made me think of that. Anyway, so <laughs> it, it's your new format show. Um, what's it called again? 60, 60 Minutes Into. 60 Minutes Into, which is a genius name, you know, based on the name of the show. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so I watched, uh, watched, sorry, listened to the intro show um, and then it listened to the actual show, which was about Blood Moon. Blood, Blood Moon Blood from Moon. 1997 <laughs> uh, with Gary Daniels. I think we've done a Gary Daniels film before, haven't we? I'm sure we did. With yeah, we did uh, Rage. 
Ah, okay. And so I haven't watched many Gary Daniels films, but he, you know, he, he does what he does. He's good at it, you know, martial arts and uh, action films, that kind of thing. And um, so, and I, I, so I watched it last night, and I was a bit drunk. I had had a few drinks. Perfect way to uh, watch it. And uh, it's so it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant, really entertaining. About an hour and thirty-seven minutes. Um, so yeah, kind of just hovering just above that perfect ninety minute length and um it was funny it was entertaining but more importantly i think your show inspired me to do that because of uh listening to you guys talk about how good it was and i'm sure even if the film that i'm sure you're going to watch maybe potentially a few duffers um mm. you know they'll still be entertaining to watch so but your enthusiasm for it and you uh sort of like snorting and <laughs> ramrod <laughs> sniggering um it's a great show. It's really good. So I'm looking forward to the second one in the series. So, and, and yeah, no, it's a little spoiler, but I think you're, you're winning slightly with the points I, tally. Aren't I you? am. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it, it's, um, there is a real life trophy that we're playing for. It's here. And, um, yeah, it's, it's sort of like a game show. It's something that I had an idea for this and I thought, oh, this is something a bit different. I've not, I mean, there probably is podcasts out there that's quite similar, but I thought, bit different make it you know a league table it's a 10 10 movie season and i think 23 points is the most you can score per movie and i'm 12 8 in front after one movie mate Oof. 12 8 in front yes uh, yeah we're ribbing each other there'll be some uh a bit of good uh good what is it banter fucking banter yeah. going on uh, in the next show which we're hopefully it- going to record at the end of this month Oh, fantastic. You can tell, I mean, you guys obviously sit together and record it, but you can tell that you guys are having fun while you're doing it, which is, you know, comes across. So um, well done. Love the show and really enjoyed the film. So thanks for the recommendation. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening and, and your kind words, mate. And um, yeah, how can you not enjoy a film when somebody brings you a can of juice Forsyth around to put a drink? <laughs> Fucking juice. And it had got a silhouette of Bruce Forsyth on the, on the tin. Oh, classic. And it was nice beer as well. Um, yeah. Was it strong? Uh, oh, no, it was about, I think it was like about 5.2, something like that. Oh, that's not too bad. No, it wasn't it? too bad. We, we, we but, did have more than one <laughs> during uh, the recording, yeah. But but the reference I was making to pissing in bottles was the whole pissing in a flask. <laughs> My God, yeah. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Yeah, there's stuff in that that you'd think, oh, I've never seen that before. So yeah. it's yeah. got some bloody good action in it as well. Yeah, fair so. play. It has, it has, and some magic for those of you that like magic. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were taking the piss when you were t- saying that, but I honestly didn't think it was going to happen. It was brilliant. <laughs> uh, quickly, before we get into the double dip, I do want to mention Extraction Two. Now, oh, Chris yeah, Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, the sequel to 2020's Extraction that I watched. I can't remember if we talked about it on an entertainment show. Uh, I wasn't really that fussed with Extraction. I thought it was okay, but it was, no, I'm not going to watch that again. So I wasn't that enthused. Oh, it's a sequel to a film that I thought was, yeah. So I thought, oh, we'll put it on. Um, wow. Enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than the first. Mm. So it's really, really good action. Story, very by the bucks. Um, it's, again, Chris Hemsworth character, Tyler Rake. He's got to extract somebody from a dangerous situation. That's it. That's all you need to know for the story. And you know how the extraction is going to go. And there's a few twists and turns. And you know exactly what's going to happen with them well in advance. But 
it's the incredible, <laughs> incredible action scenes, the way that the film, the way that it's edited, that we were go. We, me and Tina were watching it going, whoa. You know, when you're watching an action film and you're so into it, you 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 verbalize, you know, we sat there and we really were going, whoa, what the fuck? We <laughs> you know it's stuff like that. Very, very good. If the first extraction left you a little bit dry and thought you're not going to bother with this one, uh, and you do like by the numbers, but very, very watchable, enjoyable action movies, give Extraction 2 a go. It's good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I've, uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I think Extraction was one of our double dip picks. I think it um, might have been, yeah. I think I enjoyed it a bit more than you did, but um, I've seen a bit of this one. Um, I think it's in it's one of the trailers or something where he's having a fight in a prison mm-hmm. yard and he's just beating the shit out of people and firebombs have been thrown at him left, right and centre and all sorts. And which, he's so on it, fire. It, yeah, it did look quite cool, I have to say, and I probably will watch it at some point. But um, There's a yeah. good, there's a good making of, there's a good, oh. I'll have to, this will be a recommendation. Here's an advanced recommendation because I need to find the name and everything for it. There's a really good YouTube channel that I've discovered. And all it is, it's behind the scenes stuff from different films. Yeah, I'll make a note and I'll, I'll put it as a recommendation the next time we record. But there's one that they uploaded and it was all behind the scenes of Extraction. And we were watching, I'll give two examples. So the one, the prison fight and Chris Hemsworth, his arms on fire. And we watched it and we thought, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty good CG. Oh no, his arms on fire. when they did that scene and then there's another one where they're on top of a train and there's these two helicopters that come in and chris hemsworth on the top and he's got a gun helicopters are coming in really low and the fight's going and we thought you know okay that's cg blah blah blah. no they did that for real as well really i opened this the practical stuff that they did was like holy shit you know it makes it even more impressive um so yeah recommended play to him he's, mm. t- he's trying to do a tom cruise he's trying to do a tom cruise fucking hell yeah <laughs> yeah but i think he, i mean it's one of those isn't it you know i suppose you think well was, you know he played so he was he was with marvel for so long i don't know if he's gonna be if there's gonna be another thor film i think there is but anyway it's like i suppose what what do you do after that it's the same thing for like robert downey jr you know what what does he do what do yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the people do um and and going back to you talking about that superhero movie i think that would be a good antidote because I, I, I've said I'm at the point now. I've, I've said this before, where you were probably about seven eight years ago. Where <laughs> you're just, just kind of done with them now. Yeah, yeah. Just, just stop, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah watch superhero movie. That's that'll be a good palate cleanser for your, for your, you know, the MCU and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Shall we move on to the double dip? Oh yeah. Right then, I shall press this button to begin. And now, preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. John, you have tellers approaching. I still don't remember a thing. I don't remember any of it. I only remember the interpreter. Why he wants this job? I need the money. Don't disappoint and turn out to be a pain in the ass. No, not me, sir. Money isn't the reason he wants this job. 
that Taliban killed his son. Stop the vehicle, Sergeant. We don't want to go down this road. You're out of your bounds, Ahmed. You're here to translate. Actually, I'm here to interpret. John, you have Talis approaching. believed you were dead. We owe that man your life. If it wasn't enough for him to carry me across those mountains, now he's hiding in a hole somewhere. I should be in that hole. You could stand me about the gates of Everything all right, John? No, everything's not all right. There is a hook in me. Ahmed and his family are in trouble. We can't intervene. I'm gonna have to get him out myself. Listen, you're gonna be alone. You gotta adapt. Here's what you got. If you can give me the location, if I can get him out of the country, it's too dangerous. You'll become very popular with the Taliban. I miss you. Love you, Daddy. I think if I could be free of this debt, I wouldn't be. You think I have a choice? There is no choice. No, I won't back down. And there you go. That was the trailer for Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Um, it is actually on the, the poster called Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Not quite sure why that is. Is there another film called The Covenant? I should have researched this. Um, yeah, I think there's there a horror film. Actually, I never thought of that until you just said. I think there might be a horror film. I will look while you uh, while you carry on, mate. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so, uh, The Covenant, uh, as I mentioned, directed by Guy Ritchie, uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, um, Dar Salim, and then... Think that's probably about it. Johnny Lee Miller is somebody that you'll recognise. Uh, Alexander Ludwig, um, but yeah, that's probably about it in terms of recognisable stars from myself. Um, it currently has a seven point five out of ten out of one hundred and one thousand ratings Whoa. on IMDb. So that's not too bad. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, the the I am uh, sorry. No, the um, synopsis is during the war in Afghanistan, a local interpreter risks his own life to carry an injured sergeant across miles of grueling terrain. Um, Metacritic has it on a sixty-three out of twenty-eight critic ratings, sixteen positive, eleven mixed, and one negative. So take one from the positive, uh, which is Empire magazine. Um, mm -hmm. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but maybe they're wrong. On this evidence, Guy Ritchie can absolutely learn how to make a Paul Greengrass film, delivering a handsome slice of serious war drama. Uh, one of the more middling, we will go with uh, let's go with IGN. Why not? Uh, the Covenant isn't Guy Ritchie's best, but standout performances from Jake Gyllenhaal, Dar Salim, uh, 
as bonded heroes save an otherwise bloated military thriller. And then the one negative, which is the slant or slant, the film bangs the drum loudly on behalf of American exceptionalism. Okay. <laughs> what that means. Um, so for people who haven't listened to our double dip picks before or haven't listened to a show before so dave and i pick a film for each other to watch which we've never watched before and so dave picked the covenant mm. uh so this is currently on amazon prime uh as are both of the films that we're going to talk about so what made you want to watch this uh easy jake gyllenhaal i really like jake gyllenhaal so anything that he's in i will watch so that was the main thing i like guy Ritchie films as well we've been uh going through some of his older stuff recently. So I thought, oh, watch his latest one. Uh, I did like the premise for it as well, of how, you know, it's it's during the, the war in Afghanistan and uh, an interpreter gets killed, so they've got, to have, they've got to bring in a new interpreter to the squad, which is uh, the character played by Dar Salim, who I thought was great in the film. Mm-hmm. And he's a bit of a... <coughs> Excuse me. It's, it's like a bit of a, <clears throat> a bit of a rogue, you know. He's like, oh, should we get him? Because they've got a line of uh, potential uh, translators that they, well, sorry, interpreters, as they as they say in the film, that he could have picked from. And it's like, oh, he's, you know, he could be a bit wild, you know. Should you pick him? And they and they get him, and he's, you know, he's a, he's really good. He turns out to be really good, and he saves um, because shit, you know, fucking shit hits the fan big time, and. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, John Kinley, him and Ahmed, the Dar Salim, um, who plays him, uh, th- it ends up with both of those on the run from the Taliban. And um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, John, gets injured. So Ahmed has to carry him at times all through the Afghan mountains and drag him and get him to safety, which he, which he does just about. And then... Because of what happened, and it goes through this at the end, doesn't it, mate? Because you know there was the the withdrawal from Afghanistan by all of the troops there, and they just left a load of people there that they were going to help, and it was just like, well, fuck you now. And then almost immediately, the Taliban took control again, and any translators that were helping the army out and all of that were immediately on a death list. And it was like, well, yeah, we've sort of used you, and we don't care what's happened. Um, so John Kinley, he gets flown back to America. He recovers only to find out that Hamed is still there and hiding with his family because, of course, the Taliban are after him because he saved an American soldier. Uh, and so Kinley then decides he's going to go back and try and save Ahmed's life and return, you know, the favour, the heroics that he did for him. He feels compelled to do it. And I love that story. I love, you know, it's sort of that that bromance kind of story where, mm. you know, he, he, he well, he, he saved my life and he went through hell. And of course I'm going to do the same. I'm not going to turn my back on him. Like, you know, my country has turned, you know, it's back on him after, you know, serving the country and helping. They don't care anymore. And that really appealed to me. Um, and it was, I loved the beginning of it too, that it was quite tense with, uh, with the firefight. There's, you know, there's a lot of gunfights in it, of course. And I thought they were done really well and and when he's Ahmed's carrying Kinley through all through the Afghan mountains and so on I thought all of that was good for me it it did it sort of lost steam a little bit in the second half of it even yeah. though 
the ten- the tension wrapped up, you know, ramped up a little bit because Ahmed's on hiding. But it did. It all seemed to slow down, and it wasn't helped by. And Jake Gyllenhaal's good in it, but I'd love to hear what you think about his performance. I thought the way that he played the character was quite one note. Was yes. very on the level and a little bit slow like this and methodical and almost thinking about what he's going to say and then saying it. Like, you know, it was a bit, I wanted more emotion out of him and a little bit more fire from him where he just seemed to be just like that all the way through. I mean, did you pick up on that? Was that something that, that you thought? Yeah, I I totally agree with you. I think in terms of the the pacing, I think, like you said, the first half of it where it's in Afghanistan and he's getting to know um, Ahmed and, you know, going through, going, doing all the stuff that they're doing. It was really good, really tense. Um, And then when he goes back to America and and then it's, you're seeing what, that Ahmed's in hiding or whatever, that it, it, it does seem to sort of lose its steam. There's it does, that, yeah. It doesn't seem to have that sense of jeopardy, although it yeah. does show him and his family in some jeopardy. I think it felt there was more tension in the first section of the film yes. than there was yeah. the second section of the film. Yeah. And and um, I think as well, you kind of, I, I did anyway, I cared more for for Ahmed and his situation. Yeah, Cause yeah. It, but the, the whole thing, thing with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is, is that he's got two children and a wife, but... And although they touch on that, I didn't get the sense of, I don't know, they the, the didn't see that connection for some reason. I didn't pick up that there was that kind of, um, whereas obviously, you know, with, with Ahmed and his family, you know, the, maybe it's because the child's younger. It's like a baby, isn't it? So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's a solid film. It was um, mm. not spectacular. Um, it was good, not great. I, um, I, th- I think for, there was the, the whole thing where he, he's, you know, I said the, the first hour was pretty good and yeah. then it did sort of tail off a little bit. Um, a couple of things that I thought annoyed me slightly or my, my, I, I noticed a bit. I don't know what it was, but the soundtrack a little or the score. I don't know. It just mm-hmm. yeah, something yeah. about the score just didn't quite click with me. It made it feel like. The, the whole thing where he's he's dragging him or he's he's got his cart and he's pushing him up the hill and it's really difficult and really hard and everything I don't know the score seems to want to accentuate accentuate that but it it kind of put it on a level where it almost made it feel it, it would have been better potentially with a slightly more grounded quieter than as opposed to the what what it did with it but maybe that's just my own opinion um the firefights and stuff towards the second half of the film again felt a little bit i don't know why maybe because i've been playing a bit of call of duty they felt a little bit kind of call of duty whereas in the first mm. section that w- they were a bit more i don't know gritty also m- reminded me of um lone survivor yes which yeah we've watched together oh yeah um, I love lone survivor. yeah and and you know that kind of whole men bonding isn't it you know yeah. that's the whole that's that, that's that's that kind of um thing like you mentioned about that it's somebody's obviously put their own life in danger to save yours and mm-hmm. you know so um yeah i mean I, um in terms of jack gyllenhaal i think like you said i don't know if if the way he did it was to try and portray that sort of you know what he was going through um 
because he's having lots of sleepless nights, trying to manage, you know, he's back in his home and he's safe, but the person mm. who saved him isn't. So um it did seem to be yeah. like that though like all the way through as near as damn it there was you know even from the beginning he was he was very subdued there didn't seem to be you'd think for him being you know master sergeant did have a bit more fire about him and but there just didn't seem to be yeah i think and that's why i think i preferred uh salim's character because yeah. he did have that something about yes. him didn't yeah. he yeah. he wasn't just an interpreter you know he was he obviously he's, he he knows things. He can read people. He can read situations, and um, he got that reputation of being a bit of a live wire and of being a bit difficult to manage. Um, so so I, I immediately uh, drew to him. I, I immediately drew, I was drawn to him because of that. Whereas, like you said, Jake Gyllenhaal's just kind of going through the motions, but he just felt a little bit sort of like methodical. Mm. So. It was but, a good. Um, po- it was a good point. I like the point you made about with the score and everything, and particularly the the scene that you referenced where he's pushing him. You know, Kinley's in this. Yeah, uh, he's on the cart by now. Um, I mean, there was sort of a MacGyver bit where <laughs> Ahmed made the first thing where he was dragging him, and where he got all the bits from, and he sort of made it in five minutes, and he made this. Yeah, the sort of bed that he dragged was that was very MacGyver. But the bit that you were talking about, where he's he's in the car and he's he's pushing him up there, you know, at the mountains. Um, and before you know, before then, it was like, oh my god, you know, he's he's doing all of this. And tonally, it was it was sort of, I mean, let's couch it like this. Tonally, it was it was very rocky, rocky too. And then he sort of gets one of the wheels gets stuck and he sits and he's like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And the music swells and he, and he pushes it. And it suddenly went from Rocky 2 to Rocky 4. You know, like there was that shift tonally with, ah, oh, it's a bit, like you said, it needed to dial it down a bit and just keep it, yeah. a, bit, uh, keep it a bit more grounded. Um, yeah. But, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. Was, it. You know, I did enjoy it. It, it yeah. said so solid, good, not great. Um, I don't know if I'd watch it again, but I would recommend if people, you know, said, oh, if you seen The Covenant, I'd say, oh, yeah, it's a decent film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I would too. I'd say, yeah, what you know, watch it. Um, like you, I wouldn't watch it again. I will watch Lone Survivor again because I love that. <laughs> but I think that's the, the, the better one. But, yeah, it, it's good, not great. I think that, yeah, that's a good way of putting it, mate. Yeah. So... There you go. Uh, I don't know if that's a glowing. Well, it's not a glowing recommendation, but it's a, it's a recommendation. It's, I think. Yeah, it's a recommendation, isn't it? Um, yeah. Will this second uh, one be recommended? Do you think? Well, here we go. Here, here is the trailer for our second double dip film. 1984 has been a tough year. Our sales are down. Our growth is down. Sonny, I brought you in here to grow the basketball business. People don't know what the hell a Nike is. What's a Converse? NBA All-Star Shoe. There's nothing cool about Nike. You would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other companies can't compete with. Our basketball division is terrible. I do not love it. This is where you come up with a brilliant idea that no one else can see. Let's hear it. I got it. I found him. Who's that? Jesus? Can't afford it. I'm willing to bet my career on one guy. My name's Sonny Vaccaro. I'm with Nike. Do you typically make it a habit of showing up at people's front doors unannounced? I don't like to take no for an answer. 
Oh, man. Here we go. You ask me what I do here. This is what I do. I find you players, and I feel it this time. Okay, it's risky. When you were selling sneakers out of the back of your Plymouth, that was risky. Don't change that now. For a rookie? Yes. Who's never set foot on an NBA court. That's the literal definition of rookie. Yeah. What's the plan? We build a shoe line around just him. I need the greatest basketball shoe that's ever been made. Who's the player? Michael Jordan. You're motoring. You have our attention. I believe in your son. I believe he's the future. And his story is going to make us want to fly. But a shoe is just a shoe. Until my son steps into it. Got a name for it? Air Jordan. I don't know. Seriously? Maybe it'll grow on me. And there you go. That was the trailer for Air uh, from 2023, directed by Ben Affleck, starring Matt Damon, uh, who you've heard in the trailer, Jason Bateman, uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Viola Davis, uh, Chris Tucker. Um, trying to see, I think that's about it, really, for your big star cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose, you know, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon reunited. Um, through their connection with um, Goodwill Hunting, and good to see them back together again. I suppose uh, from when was that? Nineteen ninety-seven. So, what's <laughs> a, a good few years since they won an Oscar for that? Anyway, this has got a seven point four out of ten on IMDb out of one hundred thirty-four thousand ratings. Um, one thing I do like about it on IMDb is that the text is all in red, which is quite cool. Uh, it's got the red and white text. So um, anyway, the um, synopsis is, follows the history of sports marketing executive Sonny Vaccaro, um, played by Matt Damon, uh, and how he led Nike. And uh, do you say Nike or Nike? I say Nike. Yeah, I, I usually say Nike, but anyway, Nike. In its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. Um, on... Metacritic, it's got a 73 out of 59 critics. So that's 49 positive, 10 mixed, and no negative. Ooh. So there you go. Um, let's go with one of the positive ones. I tend to look for the thing, ones that we relate to, like Empire and yeah. um, Total Film or whatever. But at the moment, I'm struggling to find Empire and Total Film. They're not in the top <laughs> ones anyway. So actually, there you go. So one of the top ones is, we'll go with the New York Post. Um, be you a fan of basketball or basket weaving, air will <laughs> snugly fit the tastes of just about anybody. Um, I did see Empire, so just bear with me. That's one of the more middling reviews. Uh, they say a lot more entertaining and irreverent than the film's grandiose subtitle courting a legend suggests even if it's hardly as trailblazing as the man to whom it pays tribute uh and then one of the lower ones actually 
uh, is Peter Bradshaw from The Guardian. Uh, this film winds up looking like the most expensive in-house corporate promo in history. Shallow, <laughs> parochial and obtuse. By the time the credits roll, we're apparently supposed to be euphoric. Not so much at individual sporting achievement, but at the billions of dollars that Nike has been making. That's a good point, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. This was my pick. Again, it's on Amazon Prime. Um, I'd seen the trailer for it and uh, because of the cast and because of the people involved, because of the story. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not a big basketball fan. I'm not, I can't even say I'm a basketball fan. I've never watched a basketball game in my <laughs> life. But I've heard of Michael Jordan, yeah. as has probably most of the planet, I would say. And so it's about how he uh, became involved with Nike and... Um, became not just him as an athlete because I don't again I don't know a great deal about him but based on watching this I do want to watch the Netflix show uh, The Last Dance. Oh, it's good. That le- is good. Yeah. To learn more about Michael Jordan, but uh, I know uh, Michael Jordan because he's, he's a basketball player. I don't know anything about his achievements on the court because I don't. Again, I don't know anything about Michael Jordan really in that respect it's like tiger woods i don't play golf i don't watch golf but i've heard of tiger woods yeah. do you know what i mean yeah yeah you, you know the, these kind of people transcend their sport don't yeah. they but obviously not only that is because of the trainers now when i was a kid i wanted some uh, uh some uh nike Air jordans and you know i remember having some when i was a kid um i wore them to school you weren't supposed to wear trainers to school but uh and then some prick trod on them you know just scuff them up and this is the thing see this is i suppose just to go and demonstrate the you know even now the phenomenon of of nike air jordan uh or nike is that my daughter for her 11th birthday she didn't say she wanted a pair of nike jordans she said can I have a pair of Jordans? She doesn't know who Michael Jordan is. She doesn't. She probably doesn't even know she that they are based on somebody called Michael yeah. Jordan, who was a basketball player. She just wanted a pair of Jordans because that's you know I guess what kids want these days. But it's 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 a uh, you know it it it's not even a generational thing, is it? It's sort of like it's just a, f- a phenomenon. It's when Michael Jordan, you know, he's no longer with us. The, the trainers will still sell, you know, and yeah. the, and, and it will just be, it's, it's amazing to think that, like I said, that, but that how much money and what, how it's sort of started, I suppose, and how it's still going on. It really is. It's crazy. I mean, he makes a shitload of money from mm. even now, doesn't he? Um, oh just, God. Yeah. But anyway, so the film is, based around that it's set, it's set in 1984 and you immediately get a nostalgia hit don't you i mean you know with the the, the start of the film um uh, you get a nostalgia hit with the music the, the the visual stuff that's on the screen and then throughout it's got a good soundtrack of all of the songs that were out through that era um and yeah it's it, it is all about you know like i said how this uh this guy kind of went against his bosses, um, uh, the owner of the company, um, Ben Affleck, who plays a person called Phil Knight. And then, you know, how he was, didn't want to risk pissing off the board of directors. So didn't want to, you know, give him the money to go out and get Michael Jordan and how their Nike shoes 
basketball shoes we, we weren't selling any, anything at all converse and uh adidas again do you say adidas or adidas i always uh, say adidas yeah adidas yeah uh they, they were the market um you know taking the market share of all of the, the basketball shoes and whatever so nike were nowhere until you know so yeah um from my point of view uh again solid not spectacular <laughs> uh i enjoyed it i enjoyed the i mean again i like the actors in it um so it's good to see them on screen hmm. some of the writing's quite sharp and funny in places um uh, and the music's good in it and it's you know very well directed and whatever but it, for me it never seemed to have that spark it never it mm -hmm. it did in one point threatened to do it where <laughs> matt damon delivers a speech and you yeah, know kind of like yeah. you th you're thinking oh you know because sports yeah. films aren't they you know that's the thing about sports films is that they've always generally i mean i've said before i'm not a fan of american football but i think some of the best most exciting films are about american football you know and i don't you don't have to be a, a fan of the sports to enjoy the film that mm. they're based around you know so um so uh, you know I, I it reminded me a little bit of jerry Maguire minus the romantic stuff do you know what i mean yeah the, yeah that kind of like person who nobody really trusts um who's got a feeling who wants to sign somebody who wants to go and get this person but nobody will believe them nobody believes in them nobody will give them the money or the resources that they need and they over overcome the odds and then they you know kind of eventually do what they do but whereas the difference between jerry Maguire and so he's like a sports agent in in that you know and he's got one client or whatever who's again nobody once and, and and he's he kind of transforms that and it's the relationship i think between cuba gooding jr and uh, tom cruise that makes jerry Maguire for me and i think it's that kind of seeing him get to achieve his goals and everything else mm -hmm. and then and this never really had that i never felt totally like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. behind matt damon's characters like you know yeah he's supposed to be like this kind of like I said, he's a bit of a gambler and whatever, and nobody really trusts him. But you always, I think, because maybe it's based on a real life thing, and you know what's going to happen. Yeah, there was, there's never that tension there, is there? There's never that. Oh, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Because you know it's going to happen. So it's like almost like you lose that little element of tension. Yeah. But again, overall solid, but not spectacular. Um, and if somebody said, you know, what do you would you recommend it? I'd say, yeah, it's you know. Um, but I didn't love it. I liked it. Anyway, what did you think? Uh, yeah, well, the same as you, solid, but not great. The same with The Covenant, you know. I, and again, I would recommend it, but never watch it again. It was it, it was good, but not great. Loved, you know, set in the 80s, of course. I love that, <laughs> that period. I still remember it. Uh, amazing soundtrack. Great, great soundtrack. Fuck knows how much they must have spent on getting the rights to, to like, so many great songs. Uh, and then at the beginning, uh, oh yes, I mean it, it. It it goes. This is the 1980s, and it's going through, and it shows you all all the things you know, like Rubik's cube and bloody bloody blah. And there's a nostalgia hit. That was a good sort of dopamine nostalgia hit right from the beginning. It was oh wow, look, there's that, there's that, there's that. This song's playing, 
and it was really good. Uh, you mentioned Jerry Maguire. I'm going to mention Tetris, um, which is oh. one I recommend. I think it was the last time we recorded or the time before. Yeah. Very similar in the fact that it's um, it's one guy going against the higher-ups by himself, trying to get this product and get it out to the world. You know, there's that similarity. Both of them, again, you know the end result. You know, you know what's you know, he's going to get Tetris and it's going to go global and it's going to be a huge hit. The same's going to happen with, you know, Air Jordans. The difference being, even though you knew the ending of both of those films, with Tetris, it really surprised me. And I think I, I described it at the time as like, you know, I wasn't ex- expecting a film about Tetris to be this really tense political thriller that it ended up being, because even though you knew the end of it, and he was going to get Tetris, and it was, you know, it was going to be so successful. The stuff that happened in between was like really tense. You know, they're going to Russia, and there's all these deals going on, and he's being tailed. And fuck me, is he going to be beaten up now? What's going to happen? Is he going to be locked up? He's being threatened here. How much of that was true? I don't know. But for the for the movie, it was really enjoyable, and it did it did get me tense and going fuck. I don't know what's going to happen here. Even though I know the very end of it, the in-between bit, I don't know. Whereas with Air, was also a little bit like Oppenheimer. It was, ah, oh, there's lots of people talking. And I know how it's going to end. So where's, give me some tension. It was, it was sprinkled with a bit of humour here and there, which was good. Um, wasn't expecting, because you see Michael Jordan, you know, you see the young Michael Jordan. He's just been uh, drafted by the Chicago Bulls. And but you don't see him. You just see him, you know, from the behind of the profile. Mm. And I mean, was that you know a image rights? Even though it wasn't him, or you know, was it a, a decision that was made? Was would it take away from the story, and people would be more interested in seeing? Oh, look, it's a young Michael Jordan, and that would take away from the tension of yeah. the story that would do, do a building. I'm not sure about all of that. But yeah, with I much preferred Tetris because of all. All the stuff, I knew it was going to end, but that middle bit was like, whoa, wasn't expecting that, wasn't expecting that. The middle bit of this was, oh, they're having a bit of a talk and they're trying to get the deal done. And I know the deal's going to be done, but what else is there? And there wasn't a lot apart from a little bit of good dialogue here and there and a few laughs. So again, like you, mate, it was good. The actors drove it, good actors, obviously, playing the parts really well. But yeah, if you're going to watch that sort of film... Watch Tetris instead. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, again, though, I, I gave both films three stars. Me too. Yeah, me too. So, you know, it sounds like we're shitting on them, but uh, a little mm. bit. But I think it, it, you know they are good films, but they're not. You know, they don't give it that that extra. They don't. They're not Blood Moon. <laughs> they're not Blood Moon, mate. Nothing is Blood Moon. <laughs> <laughs> I think once I've watched that, that's it. Nothing compares to Blood Moon. That's but no, it. It, it, you know. <laughs> so I think if somebody had done some like, you know, amazing Kung Fu or screwed on some metal fingers and stabbed oh, somebody. Exactly. Where was the metal fingers? Come on. Yeah. Oh. Where is Gary Daniels finger in a pipe? <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Some good, some good recommendations, I think, once again for people. Yeah. yeah, at least they weren't shit like some of the films we've watched yeah, in the past. We've, I think we did all right with this double dip, mate. You know, I mean, both of us giving both films three stars. I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. at least there weren't some shit with Pierce Brosnan or fucking oh. um, 
Mel Gibson <laughs> <laughs> that we hated. Oh, there's always next time, mate. There's always next time. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, cool. Right. Well, until then, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you know what to do. Go to 60mw.co.uk, numerical, 60, not alphabetical. Everything we do is on there. All the podcasts, news, reviews, everything, links to our social media. Uh, I was going to say Twitter is the main one. It's not Twitter now. You have to say, oh, yeah. X is the main X. one we still use. Fucking hell. Jeez. I mean, I, I know um, we've got you've got a Threads account and I've got yeah. a Threads account now. And I, I think I, at the moment, I mean, it's a, it's a weird situation, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, probably two reprehensible billionaires you know who do you <laughs> it's not who you do support but you know because they're probably they're both not great people or whatever but I, at the moment i think i prefer threads i'm yeah. enjoying it more I, I don't know it just seems a bit more of a chilled out place as opposed to you know I, I look at twitter every now and then it just seems like a real shit show with everything that's on there and i don't some of the stuff i, I don't even follow some of the people that but it just throws up some right, right <laughs> shit anyway it's, it's social media it's it's yeah, it's fucking it toxic. Is. It is. It is. Just just make sure you visit just the follow web- us. Yeah, follow us. Visit the website. Subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends about us. That's that's the best thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. And, and just keep listening. That's fine. Plenty. I think uh, with the obviously people have been listening to this. The show before this is the interview show with Richard Patrick. There are, as I speak, recording this. There'll be another. Th- three shows in the can so yeah there's plenty more and more to be recorded so plenty yep. to come in your ears and adam and i are getting back on the horse with the spotlight reflection shows nice. said, we've got one i've got to edit it we've picked the next one uh which i'll i'll give it away now um but it's from 1981 i think 1981 seems to be a, th- a theme i don't know why but anyway uh dead and buried Oh my god! I I've not seen that for years. I love that film. Shit. Yeah. Fuck. I think well, the last time I watched that was VHS. Yeah. Well, I I um the story behind it is that it's my pick. It scared me as a child. Watch. I no. I I'd seen bits of it. It was one of those films that my cousins had on at my nan's house, and I, I think and it's the poster. I don't know what it was. Well, it scared me when I was young, and I didn't watch it for years and years and years. And then I watched it probably about ten years ago now. And I anyway really enjoyed it at the time. But Adam's never seen it, so... Um, oh, my but, God. Wow. Oh, I'm looking forward we, to listening to that one. <laughs> we've done a lot of martial arts films lately. Um, yeah. So we're going to move on to some horror. So That's good. Fantastic. All right. Well, as always, mate, cool. awesome to chat with you. Um, yes, hard, you too. Hard to think that the next time we will be recording will be... <gasps> Holy fuck, August, September... Yeah, it's going to be the August and September show, so we'll be recording it at the beginning of October. Fuck. Madness. I don't know where this year's going. It's crazy. That's a bit mad. Anyway, once again, thank you for listening. We shall disappear. Um, Stay subscribed. No, sorry. Keep those subscriptions active. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to say it that way. And uh, we'll be back with another show very, very soon. So, uh, cheerio. Cheerio. Bye-bye.